All right, guys. I don't know what's going on, but uh, our audio, at least for the soundboard stuff, is all jacked up. But what's up, y'all? This is John and Mike back for another episode of the Nothing Finer podcast. Bobby Burchens is back with us tonight to get into the Florida Gators ahead of the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, or if you want to call it by the PC name, it is the War for the Ore. Um, and it's like Mama used when, to call it. I'm not exactly sure when they changed it to that, but it sounds awful. Okay. Um, but after we talk about that, we're going to get into the uh, lesser games of the week. And by that, I mean pretty much all the other ones because there's not really any good ones this week. Yeah, it's not a great slate. But before we get into that, how are you guys and what are you drinking? Well, uh, I'll start since I guess I'm the guest and everything like that. Thanks for having me, by the way. I appreciate it. Uh, tonight, I am drinking Diet Coke as I have a very, very early meeting at 7 o'clock in the morning tomorrow, followed by a golf tournament. Trust me, I, you I, know, need, I, I need to rest. <laughs> did you know that a 12-ounce can of Diet Coke has the same amount of caffeine as a 12-ounce Red Bull? What? I did not. Uh, but this is, of course, caffeine-free Diet Coke. So it's, See, it's that's that's my move. I'm always on them gold cans. <laughs> I'm I, I, I'm just saying it's it's gives me a little bubbly, and uh, that makes me feel like I'm not just drinking water sometimes. But it might as well be just water. Who am I kidding? I drink like I, eight ounces of Diet Coke. So like the fact that you said that scares the shit out of me. I need to. I really need to. I know I need to stop, but. My God, I'm going to have a heart attack at like 35. Hold up, hold up. First of all, I haven't had a heart attack and I'm beyond 35. So let me, uh, you know, kind of like put you to, <laughs> put you at ease, first of all. <laughs> Second of all, I've been drinking Diet Coke since I was in a stroller. And I'm not joking about that. My mother used to uh, walk me around Gwinnett Place Mall uh, up in Duluth all the time right. while I was basically carrying a bucket of Diet Coke, the size right. uh, of which I could fit into at the time. So <laughs> not, not for nothing, but I think you're going to yeah. be okay. Yeah. Yeah, it does it does have a significant amount more caffeine than regular Coke. Um wow. I, when I switched to Diet Coke, I started having a hard time s- sleeping. And then I heard that and I looked at the can and it's like 86 milligrams of caffeine per 12 ounces. Wow. Um the so more I switched you know. to caffeine free. It's better, you know. I don't know if it's better tasting, no. but it's no. definitely um, I don't even know that it's better for you. God knows what, what kind of fake shit's in here. But whatever, it's fine. I, I like it. I have a severe caffeine problem anyways. So anytime I can cut it out, I try to. Um, yeah. For a while, I, I was on like a thousand milligrams of caffeine a day. Seems like I need to up my game a little bit because I only need to have the one 16-ounce Red Bull in the morning, which is not in, unsubstantial when it comes to caffeine. Don't get me wrong, but... Oh, no, to get me out of bed, I have an energy drink that's 300. And sometimes I follow that up with a Red Bull if I'm not awake enough. (laughs) Okay, never mind. I feel good. Thank you, guys. Uh I'm glad that we could help you out. Yeah. I don't drink coffee. Like, literally, all I drink is, like, Coke Zero and water. So I I don't drink coffee either. I find it to be just uh, too much. Whenever I like like coffee. Yeah. But... Just the small amount of hassle it is to get coffee in a big enough cup to wake me up and then go to my work truck versus grabbing a can out of the fridge is the reason I don't drink coffee. Fair enough. 
I understand that that extra work being a, a barrier. I normally wake up five minutes before I have to leave the house, so it's like it's got to be very efficient in the mornings. I get it. I do. Um, like I said, seven a.m. Uh, meeting tomorrow morning. Well, I have to come dressed in in golf attire and and all of that that kind of stuff. I have a very very early morning plan for myself of waking up at five uh, five thirty, r- roughly, to make sure that I get there on time. Uh, and that is with all sorts of primping and prodding and trying to make myself look halfway decent out on the golf course. Because as we all know, when it comes to golf, it's not just about how you swing the sticks. It's about the fashion. Uh, and I'm rocking a white belt with a pink shirt tomorrow. I can't wait. Hell so yeah. If you switch to disc golf, you can show up like I do. And that's typically in a cut off Wrangler t-shirt and some short shorts with a cooler of beer larger than my actual disc golf bag. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, that, that, that's all, if I may, however, um, that's also the soccer version of golf it, to which I would say that's the pussy version of golf. So n- not for nothing. You know, I'm poor. <laughs> um, first off, I'm poor, but second, uh, I have torn ligaments in my wrist and shoulder on the left side. Okay, that's fair. That's so fair. so only needing one arm for disc golf is the move. No, I can I can appreciate that. I I can absolutely understand that. I am decidedly average at everything when it comes to <laughs> income. When it comes to go, my my play on the golf course, uh, you know, apparently my team this year, but we'll we'll get into that, I suppose. Uh, so just you know, the, I'm right there in the middle, and I I can make just enough money uh, to p- have a decent golf bag in my uh, truck. So there but you go. Also, can you play regular golf in the dark? Because yes. tomorrow we are, I am actually running a uh, glow in the dark disc golf tournament where we have the park on Tybee lit up like a rave, and uh, it's pretty cool. So down here in Winter Park, uh, this is the, down here in Florida, uh, I should point out, since that's where I'm broadcasting from this evening. Um, Winter Park has a uh, municipal nine-hole course that is mm-hmm. uh, the envy of many municipal courses, as a matter of fact. It's ranked in the top uh, 20 uh, nine-hole courses in the country. Uh, and yes, they do host uh, the during the summer mostly. Uh, but they do host a um, an evening golf uh, event where you do hit glow in the dark balls. Um, I would love to have more golf courses, you know, put up lights, that kind of thing, so that I could potentially play after work. Because uh, I'm one of those people who would love to go and do something like that. But I can't. I could always play hooky, but I don't because you know. I'm responsible. Yeah, I'm an adult and everything like that. So um, the the more lights, the better. But uh, there's even a, a couple of courses down in Tampa that have that kind of thing. Yes, you can play uh, golf at night. It's it's hmm. not unheard of. No. All way. right, we've gone on like four tangents in the first five minutes. So Mike, that's exactly how I wanted this to go. By the way. <laughs> All right, that's the show. Mike. All right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's nothing finer in the way. How are you doing? And what are you drinking? Because I know both Mike and I are actually drinking alcohol for the first time in like three or four weeks. So yeah. uh, I'm I'm doing fine. I'm like I said, drinking diet coke, uh, caffeine free, so that I can actually get some sleep tonight. Uh, long, long day plan tomorrow, having to drink with, uh, you know, a couple of uh, vendors, a couple of distributors, that that kind of thing. Entertaining uh, so, clients. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no clients. No clients. 
uh, they, I'm the client, if anything, uh, yeah. for, for this tournament. So, okay. uh, vendor drinking being... is different. It Ooh. is. It is. We it, we went to a week long conference in Gulf Shore over the summer and went vendor drinking every day, and then had to be up at six for uh, conference stuff. There vendor, were a lot of mistakes made. And vendor day drinking with golf involved is even even more different. I don't know how some of these people are going to make it home. Uh, we're, we're playing at a course uh, in, it's in a place, and I'm not joking. It's a real place. You can look it up. It's called Howie in the Hills. That's the name of this city here in Florida, Howie in the Hills. We don't have hills in this state. We really don't, but somehow oh. we have Howie, who's just hmm. amongst them hills, apparently. Uh, and that, That's where this course is. It's actually one of the nicer courses that's out there. I'm not going to pump the name out there because i don't want to brag about it but it's where uh charlie woods tiger's uh son recently won the junior golf uh championship oh. as a matter of fact so okay if you are a golf fan you probably know exactly where i'm talking about uh and yeah uh, howling the hills by the way is in the middle of fucking nowhere uh for atlanta purposes let's say this would be <sighs> somewhere Monroe. in be yeah it would no it would be somewhere in between um Columbus and uh Atlanta. Like once oh. you get past like 195 or 185, that mm-hmm. area where there's like Callaway Gardens and that's it. You know, yeah. basically. That's Howie in the Hills, except it's north, because everything has to be north here in Central Florida. Um, so yeah, it's I I gotta chill a little bit with the with the drinking tonight, unfortunately. But I come prepared with stats and info, or at least info. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Um, so as far as uh, as far as I go, like John said, this is the first time I'm drinking a while in a while on the uh, on the pod. I and it's not anything good. My wife bought something. She's like, "Oh, this is gonna be my new drink." It sat in the fridge for like a month. It is a a beatbox. I don't know what the hell it is. I, I think it's box wine. Uh, it looks like a protein shake. If you're watching, and I didn't say that, <laughs> I wish I would have just kept it at that. It's not. It's eleven point one percent alcohol by volume. So I mean, it's better than beer. So here we go. So I will say I've had the watermelon mm-hmm. beatbox. It's not bad. It's no, it, this is fine. This, I, this is the raspberry one, a blue raspberry, because that's a real flavor. Uh, it just tastes like blue. Yeah, it tastes yeah, it tastes like blue exactly. Uh, um. Yeah. So I want to say, yesterday I got to see uh, Mike's son Lincoln play football, and yeah. This is, you know, for all intents and purposes, throwing shade at one person and it's not Lincoln. Um, so for his, what, 8U team? Mm-hmm. Is that what he's on? His yeah. 8U team, he is, their, uh, he is their Bear Alexander. And by that, I mean the only person on the defense making a difference and putting an effort. <laughs> um, yeah. I will say I only saw like two and a half quarters of the game and he had three sacks and four tackles for loss. And he did tell the quarterback after one of the sacks that he was a bitch. Yeah. So <laughs> he, he, he just turned nine three weeks ago. And we've tried to work on the trash talking a little bit. It's like, hey, buddy, can you not curse quite yet? But you know what? I'm not he mad. He did also he, get flagged for cussing. I believe it was at a ref, wasn't it? He, yeah, well, what was it? Two two weeks ago during the uh, Georgia and Vandy game, I wasn't able to go to it because we were doing a school function. Um he uh he sacked the quarterback the uh the uh it wasn't a referee it was the coach for the other team ran out in the field told my son that he was hitting too hard and and again my son Lincoln proceeded to say 
he needs to quit being a little bitch and then walked off. That's I what the coach told that. me. Was I that? support that 100%. Yeah. I'm sorry. I, who that's I football. Says it, it, exactly. Who says something like that in football? Is it a flag football league? Well, no, no, again, it's tackle. Once what again, the hell are you talking about? Exactly. It might, exactly my point. Their whole league gave me hardcore USC vibes. Well, it's no, funny because he he plays in uh, a more like a f- more affluent area of Savannah. Like we drive like forty minutes out there, and it's it's very soft. That we'll play kids from like you know the actual city itself. We've driven to fucking Hardyville, South Carolina, to, to play, get our ass kicked in a different state. They played Sandstorm after every fucking touchdown. <laughs> I shit you not. I, it was it was like forty two to nothing, and it was like every four minutes it was sandstorm um i already told mike i would volunteer to coach next year mm. because there oh it was it the the offensive plays were were like run backwards and hope you find a hole oh no it's fourth and 30 nobody can block besides <sighs> my son he played two ways he played center for some fucking reason because he volunteered for the first practice and they've never moved him because nobody else can snap even though he's not great at snapping but defensive line they have him at a like nose tackle and i think he's better as an edge or or an end so we'll get that next year listen uh, you are constantly out of position when you're playing at uh, certain levels because mm-hmm. of just size and speed it doesn't matter if you're the fastest uh, kid if you are you know, six inches taller than every other kid and weigh 15 more pounds. Guess what? You're playing left tackle because they don't have anybody else who can, who can block. So uh, it sucks for him in in that case, but as someone who used to play offensive and defensive line, if he ever needs a, you know, a quick coaching, uh, Mm. you know, just coach him up from the, from afar. No, I'm I'm doing this over Zoom. I'm not driving up to submit. Are you sure? Yeah, I'm really sure. Uh, So I tried to give him some defensive line tips because I played defensive line. And uh, he told me to shut up. So he doesn't take. <laughs> he doesn't. It's, it takes him a while to take coaching. It, it it's a process. That's okay. It's a, it's understandable. Uh, once he gets his ass kicked a few times by other kids, then yes. uh, then he'll start wanting to get some some pointers. Yeah. So. To be fair, he is the old, like one of the oldest ones out there because, like I said, it's eight U T eight U team. He just turned nine a couple weeks ago, and he's. I mean, I'm not small by any means. I'm not big either, but he's like just probably the second or third biggest kid out there, and uh. Next year, when he plays like the ten U, he'll probably get a, a little bit bigger of a dose of reality when it comes to that. Once everybody starts hitting the growth spurts, then all bets are off. You yeah. you never know uh, what what's going to happen. Hell, he could end up being you know five foot nine, uh, one hundred and sixty pounds. You never know with, yeah, my, with some, my, some shit like that. Yeah, I'm like six one. My wife's like five two. So there, who knows? That but is to be fair, your oldest yeah. son is already as tall as Kelsey is. Yeah, that's true. He's in sixth grade. Yeah. Want to say um, when I was, I'm, I'm six five, so when I was when I was at least nine, that's when I eclipsed my mom, who's like five four. Oh wow! Uh, yeah, so yeah, that that was something anyway. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, you're you're fine. We, we've got a football game to, to discuss. Beyond yeah, we got. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. But, this it's also fascinating. Don't get me wrong. You know, but yeah. we can do that recap next week. Mm-hmm. Um, for sure. For sure. I'm drinking wild turkey rare breed rye mainly because it's my fault we got on here late tonight and <laughs> it was sitting on the desk. Oh, um, there you go. I have the china cabinet full of whiskey over here to my right and was like, there's already something on the desk. Her. 
perfect. It chose itself. It did. Um, probably because I was too lazy to put it up when I had it for the Kentucky game a few weeks there ago. But it kind of is what it is. Interesting. Drinking bourbon during the Kentucky game. Is, was that well, a theme drink you know, of some kind? Kind of, we, yeah. yeah. So we had Cash Daniel on to mm. talk about the Kentucky game. So when we were that talking fucker. to Cash Daniel, I was <laughs> drinking my favorite Kentucky whiskey. I see. Okay. That that's that's fine. And you know what? The state of Florida is not exactly known for its liquor or its the uh, best whiskey you know, to come out of Florida or... is out of Horse Soldier Distillery in uh the Tampa area. The problem is I finished both of my bottles of that a few months back and it's not distributed in Georgia yet. Um not for nothing. So, you, you could be coming down here this weekend if you want. I don't know if you were coming or not, but um, I am babysitting our friend's sixteen-month-old. And John volunteered to watch my four kids so I can come down. So that whoa, would be, shout out, whoa, John. Whoa, whoa, whoa! Shout out, John. No, no. I said if you drop your kids off at my house, they're going to be in the backyard with the dogs and have to fend for themselves. I'm a lot. That sounds the door. exactly the same to me. It's fair. You know what? Skyla can stay inside. The other okay, three, right. they just got to fight the dogs outside. They're they used to that anyway. Tree. They have sustenance. Mm. Um, but but like legit though, I, there's like probably maybe a thirty percent chance that I make my way down there. Um, one of my colleagues is selling a couple uh, a couple tickets, so we're trying to work out the uh, logistics of it. So I may be down there for the game. You got my number, man. Text me. We'll we'll meet up. Oh, for sure. So to get into the game itself, Georgia, 14 and a half point favorites. It opened this week at 16. I want to say it was close to four scores at the beginning of the game, and it's come down quite a bit, or beginning of the season, it's come down quite a bit since then. Sure. Um, over under a 47. Um, so this game has historically had more importance in the East than this year. But with that being said, Florida may have two season losses, only one of them being a conference loss. So what is uh, Sunbelt Billy's approval rating through his first season and a half? So I can only speak for myself because the fan base is decidedly, decidedly mixed. If you sit in my section, uh, there are times that he is um, uh, just – you know, audulated and celebrated and all sorts of other words that Stephen A. Smith would use. Um, and then there's other times that they're, they want to lynch him because you know what, there's a lack of creativity sometimes. And this is where, you know, I call him hillbilly, of course, because, you know, he's from them hills of Georgia. Um, this is where he and I kind of depart uh, in, I'm I'm all for this whole recruiting thing. Yeah, great, awesome. We're ranked third in the, I think the twenty the twenty four seven sports rankings or some shit like that. Yay, awesome, cool. Yeah, it's not producing anything on the field because that doesn't translate until like two or three years down the line. Yeah, just check uh, out uh, Miami for that, right? Exactly. Uh, actually, a more poignant example uh, for me would be my own team. Uh, the Florida Gators of uh, of old, really, I hate to say that now, but Ron Zook was the coach that took over from yeah. Steve Spurrier, had a hell of a recruiting class. In fact, had a number one ranked recruiting class into uh, in 2003. Obviously, that didn't really work, work out for him, but the talent was there for 2006 
and that team to be a defensive nightmare for people. That had some of the toughest sons of bitches that ever played uh, at the University of Florida. So not for nothing, this could translate to, to things down the line. It's all well and good. I'm still of the opinion that the cupboard was not uh, bare when when he arrived. There was clearly some sorts of culture issues, but I feel like a one-off season should be enough to really rectify a lot of that, especially given the, the circumstances around the country at other programs. Yeah. Um, you see the ones that are going to work out pretty quickly. They, they may have a shitty first year, but by the year two, it's on. Uh, you know, that, and it's hitting the ground running. I don't think uh, the only coach that's really embraced this since, or well, I should say two um, coaches that have really embraced since Steve Spurrier left, the the identity and the culture of, that is Florida um, have been Dan Mullen and Urban Meyer. And that's because they like to score points. They like to have a creative, innovative offense that pisses people off because you don't know where the ball is going to be going to next. And Spurrier did that for a long time, two, uh, excuse me, 12 seasons at the University of Florida. Urban Meyer did it for four seasons. Dan Mullen did it for four seasons. You could even see it in his last season. His by far worst one took Alabama down to the wire. So, it, you know, there is something to be said about offensive-minded coaches that come in and like to toss the ball around. Billy Napier doesn't really like to do that. He likes to, to establish the run which he's got a couple of very good running backs this season in Montreal Jordan and uh, Trevor Etienne. Both of them are excellent. Um, and then he likes to you know play off that with play action pass, sprinkle in a couple of RPOs. He's never really been the downfield deep threat type of offensive play caller, at least not at the University of Florida. And that's where I think the fan base is starting to get a little bit more frustrated because we are so used at the used to it at the University of Florida, having someone who is willing to to call a post go, and having someone who's real willing to just say fuck it, throw it up in the air and see what happens. Not for nothing. That's that was Kyle Pitts and uh, Kyle Trask all of 2020. Yeah, you know, and guess what? It works out when you have some great athletes. So and there's uh, no drywall left after that season. <laughs> Uh, in your house or mine, uh, there there was a couple. <laughs> there was frustrations on my side too, uh, but but nonetheless, it, when when you don't embrace, when you try to change that basic type of culture at, at Florida, and well, Muschamp's not tried to do it. Jim McElwain tried to do it. Ron Zook even tried to do it before Urban Meyer. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. You've got to be uh, you know a fun and gun type of person. Billy Napier is just not that excitable. He is just deadpan, mumbles into the microphone, doesn't really have anything exciting to say. And gave his head, even though he has a full head of hair. I mean, yeah, he's, yeah, weird. Like he's got like a half beard going for him. I'm not sure why that that's there, but I, I appreciated how excited and pumped up he was after the South Carolina one. That's yeah. the most excited I've seen him at the University of Florida. Hmm. Also, it, it was like a one on my scale of one to 10 for, for excitement. Just saying. So that I think the fan base is starting to come around to him because we are improving as a team, but not, nonetheless, we are going to be frustrated every time that we do not throw the ball deep. Yeah, so right. oh, caveat off of that. Do you think that he breaks down and gets an offensive coordinator this off season? 
It depends on who's available, to be honest with you. Um, Dan Mullen's still available. <laughs> he did pretty well he, the last time he was OC there. Yeah, I, I won't lie. I, I would take him in a heartbeat, just like I would have taken uh, Will Muschamp to be the defensive coordinator after his run. Mm-hmm. Um, I got to be honest with you. I, I don't see him doing that. I think it's kind of an ego thing with him. Sure. Knowing Billy Napier's history, uh, you know, as a as a coach, uh, I don't think a lot of people realize that he was the offensive coordinator for Dabo Sweeney under Clemson uh, or or at Clemson. Uh, the first little run there where he start, they started picking up some steam as a program. Like the Taj um, Boyd era? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, Clemson offensive coordinators have such a history of doing well as head coaches. Um, you know, Chad Morris? Yeah. Just, just to name one? Just to name one. Uh, he, well, Chad Morris was actually, I believe, the one who replaced Billy Napier. So uh, there's that. He then went was one of the first coaches to go through the the Saban uh, coaching uh, laundry yeah, yeah. Uh, and very quickly was promoted to wide receivers coach. Then ended up going over to to Arizona State, where the entire staff was fired, with the exception of um, Billy, who was begged to stay by Herm Edwards during that weird ass time where Herm oh, wow. Edwards was a, was a coach, uh, over at Arizona state, but he had a, a head coaching offer on the table. And that's why he, uh, he left. He went to the raging Cajuns of the university of Louisiana and clearly turned that program around, uh, where they were a two and 10 program. Uh, for the most part, they ended up being an 11, uh, and two program by the time that he left. Uh, so he's he's got something in him uh, when it comes to offense. Um, he he called his own plays when he was over at uh, Louisiana. So it, once there's buy-in from the team, I can see it. But I do. It also depends on how he finishes this year and who's available. Because if there is someone like a Bobby Petrino uh, that take, took the position over at Texas A and M, you'd be stupid not. To, to at least, you know, kick the tires on a premier offensive coordinator that's out there, especially if he aligns with your your type of offense that you already play. For sure. Um, all right, so let's get to uh, the quarterback. And and I was thinking about this earlier, like right before we got on uh, with Graham Mertz, like before the season, I mean, we were, to be fair, we were shitting on him, which I think a lot of people were like. like the, I was shitting on him. Yeah. But, I mean, at this point, honestly, he's probably Even what, up no worse until- than – the second game, everyone around the country was shitting on him. But like he at this point, it. is he like he's probably what no worse than maybe fifth? As like I mean, you know, it's still pretty mid in the SEC. But like he's not as bad as a lot of other like quarterback play has been. Honestly, I mean, if you're just looking just looking at the uh, at the uh, the box score and all that. But with that said, uh, Graham Mertz uh, is third in completion percentage, but he is 77th in passing yards per completion at 11.16 and 26th in passing yards. Is this a uh, function of the offense, or is he just not taking downfield chances to his like on his own? It's a little bit of both, and it started right. to change a little bit more in the South Carolina game, uh, if, you'll, if you were able to watch that game. Yes, uh, he, did, he, yeah. he definitely took a lot more downfield shots. I think the fans might have gotten a Napier uh, a little bit, and the fans might have gotten to Mertz a little bit too, uh, for that mm-hmm. matter. And he definitely took some uh, some chances throwing the ball uh, to Khalil Jackson uh, for just a beautiful diving catch, uh, right mm-hmm. uh, to yeah. get him uh, uh, first and goal there, uh, right before I think their second touchdown. Uh, and then the the strike that he threw to Ricky Pearsall uh, to end that game, just I mean, point on 
perfect. It's great. It's wonderful that he has that kind of ability in him, and I expect to see that on every fucking throw. That's how you play quarterback at the University of Florida. Great. That's wonderful that he did it for a game. But to your point, he continues to check down to every single wheel route, in route uh, that's available to him, and that's partially because of the play calling. Hmm. Billy Napier also likes to run this motion where uh, you're running a uh, wide receiver in uh, into the backfield across so that he can every now and then throw a jet sweep in there to throw someone off. And off of that play action, he does a bootleg uh, out. And usually what's available to him is a tight end and the tight ends running, you know, basically a five yard out. That, that's all he's, he's looking for for once in that South Carolina game. But it was that stupid ass play that I can't stand it was that, that I just described. Um, but that's where the Khalil Jackson um, uh, pass ended up, uh, you know, coming from. It was that that motion. So it's possible for him to to be a better downfield threat. But to your point, it's a little bit of the play calling and a little bit of, I, I think the the time at Wisconsin got to him. Yeah, to, you yeah. know, where at, at Wisconsin, that is very much a a different culture of football that is very much a ground and pound and you know every now and then throw a play action um pass to the tight end type of team so i think that part of the that was a function of that but also you know i don't think that he has the strongest arm that's out there we if you can find a, a nice range of 15 25 yards uh downfield i think that that those stats would go up a little bit and I think the the completion percentage would jump down, but I think that would make him an overall better quarterback. Sure. So once again, a caveat off of that question: Are you ready to admit that Ricky Pearsall is the best player on the team? We talked about it week one. Yeah, uh, I don't. So for you Georgia fans, I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, the number one uh, for. Florida is generally speaking reserved and given to either the offensive or defensive playmaker, like the, the go-to guy pure was the perfect example. Mm -hmm. Uh, Not for nothing. Tim Tebow was obviously the leader, the captain, Jesus, whatever you want to call him, but Percy Harvin was the better football player and he absolutely deserved to wear number one. Same thing with Ricky Pearsall. He is by far the best athlete on the team. The catch that he made against McNeese State was the most outstanding catch I've ever seen in my entire life. The fact mm-hmm. that he basically did the Jordan logo uh, while making that, that catch. 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 Oh, God, that was outstanding. There's very few times that that game was one of the uh, was the only home game uh, that I missed this year. And that, by the way, when you're having to go drive to three straight Night games, it gets a, ugh, it gets a. Yeah, little you're dropping right skipped, back after that, I skipped right? Two home games yeah. in September because Georgia had four in a row. Yeah, that's just it's a lot. So I had to skip that uh, that one. But now I'm I'm missed live the catch of the year, uh, in in my opinion, because that that was just that special. I jumped uh, out of my chair. I don't get up when I'm <laughs> uh, you know at home. I, it, I'm like an old lazy dog. One, once I'm in the chair, I'm out. I'm done. Somebody else is going to have to get me a beer. That made me jump in, uh, up and holler. It was great. Hmm. All right. So Florida is currently tied for 100th in sacks allowed with 19 on the season. Is the line not good at pass blocking, or is Mertz holding on to the ball too long? 
it's a little bit we have to go back a little bit to my answer about the the play calling with this it's not that they're terrible at pass blocking uh although their starting center um uh, has been out for most of the year jake slaughter the current uh, center has filled in admirably don't get me wrong but there was a reason why he was not going to start uh, this season, it's because Kingsley uh, Iguakin, uh, I believe is, is how you pronounce his last name, uh, is a much better football player and has played more snaps. Now, the the problem with the offense is that if you are constantly throwing off of that boot action, well, you're not really protecting uh, Mertz as a uh, you know as a pocket, so to speak. When he has an actual pocket play uh, uh, to to actually throw from, it's a different story. But he is constantly asked to go out on that boot and style motion, uh, coming off of uh, the the sweep that that was coming in from the wide receivers. So, uh, it's a little bit of a function of their, him not having a blocker to block for him uh, as a play design that as well. Now, also, yeah, he's just a white guy that's just not that fast. He's never going to be, uh, you know, he's sneaky. He's sneaky athletic. He's okay. Yeah, and he's but great. he's not Stetson Bennett you know, athletic, is what I'm right. There, he's in that gray area. <laughs> yeah, okay, we'll call it gray. Um, he's, I mean, he's been able to run for a first down on occasion, but he also hasn't done so against any level of competition. The the times that he has taken off and run, it was against the Charlottes and the McNeese states of the world. So I don't, uh, I, I attribute it more so to the types of plays that we're running. Uh, more so than just pass protection uh, breaking down. But also the, the game against Kentucky, guys, they were atrocious in, in that game when it came to all forms of blocking, run blocking, pass blocking, sun blocking. Uh, I think that they had SPF 15 on the sidelines, and that shit ain't going to cut it. So, you know, the, we, we've got to uh, get a little bit better, especially against the more premier players out there as well. Hmm. So uh, after starting the season with a great rushing attack that has gone kind of downhill since then, uh, they're currently 81st in the country. What's happened? A couple things. Um, you went from having a one-two punch to a one-punch. You had because uh, Trevor Etienne was out for, I believe, the second half of Kentucky and all the following week, and oh. that was a guy that you know against uh, Tennessee put up 163 yards. Uh, mm. So. It's, Taking away that type of running back uh, for a week and a half, basically, yeah, uh, that's going to cost you some rushing yards. Uh, Montreal Jordan, don't get me wrong, he is a great running back. In fact, he has more yards than ETN on the season, but that's a function of him playing a full game more. Uh, we've got the right around 1,000 total yards of, ru- of rushing. I-, I don't know the exact number off the top of my head. It could be a, a lot better, but I also think that they are trying to balance the offense a little bit better because to your point we were not very good on offense when it came to the passing attack earlier in the season and that has improved substantially sometimes that that just kind of happens and maybe we need to figure out that we are in fact a passing team and not a running team and maybe this offense will explode i don't know but um certainly uh, there's the talent there uh at the skill positions anyway to to make it a a good running team i just think the play calling and the uh, offensive line isn't necessarily pulling both of their weights at that point be fair like I, there's a few players on florida's team that scared the shit out of me uh etn is definitely one of them as you should be scared of him he's got a chipotle yep. commercial guys i mean he's clearly he? gonna be yeah absolutely oh, it wow. must be a local to florida thing yeah I, yeah probably we 
because it's definitely in there with his brother. Uh, they're they're oh. both uh, in there. So yeah, that makes sense. He's making that NIL money though. So good for him. I, you know, I was on the Ricky Pearsall train last year because I thought he was the only receiver that was good enough to catch missiles from Anthony Richardson. But that's the player that scares me the most. God, dude, Ricky Pearsall is, yeah. I don't know what he was like, what his rating was out of high school, but it wasn't high enough. So yeah. this is my problem with the the entirety of recruiting. Um, don't get me wrong. There's obviously some guys that you just can't miss on. But anybody who is going to be six foot ten, three hundred fifteen pounds, and have four percent body fat and playing left tackle, yes, that guy's probably going to be the best left ta- left tackle ever. Don't get me wrong. But somebody like Ricky Pearsall, who's not the ta- tallest guy in the world, he's like five nine, five ten. So somewhere he's in Florida's Lad McConkey. Uh, Hunter Renfro, more Hunter Renfro. Okay. That's 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 more the comp. And the reason why I say that is because I think Lad McConkey gets uh, kind of overshadowed by the other targets that are available to Carson Beck, uh, and the fact that you know uh, McConkey's been hurt uh, for most of the year has you know forced others to step up as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, plus you know Brock Bowers. It's one of those you know overshadowing and overriding things that I would love to have on my team. Make no mistake. So um, the the reason why I say Connor Renfro is the better comp is because Renfro very clearly was a focal point out of the slot. I think that's where the future is for Ricky Pearsall in, in the NFL. He is playing oh, uh, on the outside. Player. Yeah, base, very much so. Uh, very <laughs> much so. Did he play lacrosse at any point? Does he play lacrosse right now? Uh, well, he's from the West Coast, so I, I don't know. But he also has some yeah. weird tattoo things going on. So, I don't, mm. you know, he might not have that lacrosse in him. I, I don't know. Uh, okay. But uh, he's definitely not wearing lacrosse shirts. I know that. Good for him. Yeah. Good, good for. I mean, when, you're, when your team's sponsored by Jordan, if you're wearing lacrosse, there's a problem. Well, there is a tiny little alligator on the, the polo, so. I... Tell me you drive your dad's BMW without telling me you drive your dad's BMW. My dad doesn't have a BMW. Come on. Well, I'm talking about I'm talking about kids in their 20s wearing Lacoste. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. I didn't buy my first Lacoste shirt until I was married. So uh, I can't even say that correctly. <laughs> what What did you think it was pronounced? I, I, Lacoste. I don't know. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> So, so we're going to move on to the defense here. So the Gators currently have the 18th ranked total defense in the country. How much of that is a function of the schedule playing an injured Utah team? Then you had McNeese and Charlotte. And then how much of that is just that they're that good? I think it's uh, they're quietly better than you realize that they are. Because even though that Utah team didn't have – Cam Rising starting at quarterback. The very first play of that game, they did throw a 75-yard bomb. Uh, and he on only had three more touchdowns over the next six weeks. Exactly. So we kind of shut him down after that, though. The score, in, that was a destined blowout game if this was 2022, especially under the, or even before that, uh, with Grantham on, uh, you know, on the sidelines. So they did lock it down a little bit more and they only ended up giving up 22 points on the road to a top 10 team. What are we bitching about with, with that from a defense? We're really like, really, um, yeah, that's you know, point. Uh, and then coming back home to the swamp, Tennessee was able to, to run all over the place on Alabama, his 
historically one of the best defenses in this conference. Except this year. Okay, yes, but I said historically, not not this year. Uh, still, nonetheless, it's not easy to go into Bryant-Denny and, and play yeah. like they they did. They came to the swamp and got their asses kicked. And it wasn't, a, uh, you know, oh, we Tennessee just had an off night. No, they kicked their ass on defense. It Absolutely. was not a pretty product. There's a reason why a fight broke out at the end of that game. It's because everybody <laughs> yeah. was being a dick to each other, and yep. we and were not Tennessee playing nice. full of trash. Well, yeah. Well, and Tennessee true. hasn't won a game in uh, in Gainesville like, during any of those players' lives. Oh, no. Real. No, they really haven't. None the of last, them were alive. The last time uh, was 2003 that they won a game. Uh, actually, no, I take that back, 2001. It was the 9-11 makeup game. Uh, so, they were supposed to so, play on. I was in order. sixth. I was in sixth grade. I have four kids and a fucking mortgage. Let's go. <laughs> um, I was in kindergarten the last time Tennessee won in Gainesville. Are you that much younger than me? Holy shit! Okay. <laughs> man, I, I'm so glad that I have just for men. Uh, otherwise, I'd be <laughs> looking like a gray ass Santa Claus on this stream. Honestly, um, the ring light does a lot for me because I've actually got a you know a f- quite a few grays in the beard. Oh no, the ring light does mean nothing but a disservice. I I have to like dar- darken this thing up, otherwise I do look like a well, just like a brotastic Santa Claus is the the way that I like to put it. Well, there you go. Yeah, Solid. I'm not exactly like not no. you know, I'm not exactly like oh ho ho ho. It's like ho ho ho. You know what I'm saying? With an E. There you go. <laughs> All right, we were talking about defense. Proud right? of that. Yeah, we're, we were talking about that. Yes. <laughs> So defensively, yes. All right. So there's a couple different reasons why this defense is significantly different than the makeup of last year's team. One, the the incoming freshman class has been filled with nothing but studs in in the defensive backfield. Uh, They're not the most uh, interception-worthy team. Don't get me wrong. We're not going to pick off many balls. But also, we're playing pretty damn tight coverage against some of the best receivers that are out there. Second, when it comes to the defensive line, and that's where you know this game is really won and lost, they have eight or nine guys that rotate in and out uh, and can actually play some ball. Now, it's not the same talent level as a UGA. I'm not saying that that's the case. I think that there is still like a, a increment there that, that Florida has to, to catch up to when it comes to uh, the talent on, on defense. But they are starting to build some depth there finally. And when you have depth, you are able to send your best out there for the most critical of plays. And that's something that was not there last year, 2021, you know, even going back into 2020. We did not have the depth. And now we, we seemingly have the depth there to, to actually maybe, maybe make some noise on Saturday. So the uh, the Russian defense has been elite. Uh, I mean, I don't think anybody can argue that, or with the exception of the Kentucky game, obviously. I, can. Like Ray Davis. I was about to say, uh, yeah, Ray, the, Ray Davis. I mean, two hundred running over two hundred eighty yards, right? You know, <laughs> yeah. don't don't get but, me wrong. But besides that, because Kentucky's shit the bed ever since then. But right. that was their that was their Super Bowl. But yeah, um, uh, if you take out that game, they're uh, they're av- they're uh, sorry, they're allowing an average of ninety point eight yards per game. Uh, if that game weren't played, they'd be tenth in the country. So, with that said, how well do you think that they do against Georgia with uh, Amarius Mims back on the offensive line? So, having watched a couple of Georgia's games the, this year, and this, it's not so much about 
who's better. It's about a, a matchup that that I see. I this is partially just a function of uh, Mike Bobo being back as offensive coordinator. They tend to call the same five running plays. Yep. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. what what those five running plays. I mean, it's just trap. Shockingly, and, none of them are I formation, which we were yeah, actually it's, calling it's, for to start the season. Yeah, we wanted uh, the very first play of the Mike Bobo era to be a fucking I formation, like eight gap run or a toss toss sweep, one of the two. <laughs> We and just wanted happened. to see everyone's head explode simultaneously, <laughs> and we're disappointed and it, it didn't happen. It, it, they they absolutely would have. It would have been like Mars Attacks at the end of that movie. That's a reference <laughs> for, for someone. Um, so, look, Mike Bobo, he's going to only produce a handful of plays, and he's going to run those plays like it's Novocaine. What, what it, was it that Denzel said in Remember the Titans, just give it time that it will eventually work? That seems to be how the the Georgia offense uh, is run, regardless of who's it running back. Mims is an excellent player. Uh, hate that he's back for this game. Glad to see Brock Bowers is out. Um, you know, so hey, you don't say that on these airwaves. You say I hate that he's hurt, but if he had to be out, this is the game for it. He's our special boy. Don't say anything bad about our special boy. I would have Brock Bowers' children. Okay, that's. I, I mean, like biologically impossible, but sure, sure. I mean, you know what? It's 2023. What the hell am we're, I saying? We're willing to try. Why not? Yeah, exactly. exactly. It's 2023. Exactly. You know, it's the that's a, that's year. a joke. If if this clip gets put out and somehow <laughs> goes viral, this was 100 percent a joke. Millions, <laughs> do not put this out. Please don't. <laughs> or do because it would no, get a lot of no. traffic. Yeah, you know what? Actually, yes. Put this out there. It's the current year. Okay, that's that's how you should you should define it. So that it can be evergreen. You can use this clip again, like five years from now. Um, I hope Brock Bowers is still playing for Georgia in five years. It, well, it's not Stetson Bennett, man. Like you know, he's going to exhaust that eligibility at some point. I still don't. You know never know. Bowers. COVID could come back. We could have another COVID. Don't say sometimes that. It, sometimes it is here, but. We'll not in the state right of Florida, it's not, but that's a whole different discussion. Um, <laughs> Everywhere but Savannah. Ah, is that what it is? is yeah. that, that sucks. Yes. Uh, well, you know, you're welcome to come down to the Sunshine State where sunshine is, in fact, the best disinfectant. Um, having said all of that, to get back to the actual game portion of it, no, I'm not excited about facing Mims in the backfield, but also if we can figure out which of the five running plays that, that Mike Bobo is going to call, Perhaps we can bottle them up a little bit better. The linebackers for Florida are far more athletic than I think a lot of people give them credit for, and that's uh, Scooby Williams and Shamar James. Both of them are kind of undersized uh, for most SEC linebackers, but they can fly to the ball. and They can flat out hit you. I really think that, that they can track down uh, Mims a little bit better than some of the other competition has been able to thus far. So... You already mentioned it a little bit, but for the flip flip side of the front seven, they're tied 110th in sacks. So what's stopping this front seven from getting to the quarterback? Part of it is that we are not blitzing anymore, and that's okay. So uh, anti-Grantham. I, yeah, I, I think that we kind of needed a little bit of an antidote to, to Grantham in that respect. 
I wish they would blitz a little bit more often. Uh, you know, I don't love seeing eight drop back into coverage on an obvious pass play. I want to see them get a little bit more pressure, but they've emphasized this year more tight coverage and making sure that somebody doesn't catch the ball instead of getting to the quarterback. It's also been uh, that, you know, when you play a team like Kentucky and the way that they played against us, well, I mean, they didn't have to call a pass play. So how how many sack opportunities could you genuinely have? I think they only threw the ball a dozen times that that game. So you know, there's there's only we've not played the most pass happy offenses that are, that are out there. When we have played passing teams against the Utah, we did okay ish uh, against them. But we and we've also made a couple of, of sacks here and there. But also the game of college football has changed to a degree where it's more along those RPO lines where ball's getting out quick, much quicker than it used to be. That's partially why uh, Graham Mertz has that high uh, completion percentage is because he's getting the ball out quick. So there's just not as many opportunities. And frankly, when we also have, what's his name? Uh, uh, you know, our, our, our big guy, uh, number 21, Watson. There. Watson. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he's not exactly what you would call a, um, just a, a fast person. You can remove the S and you'd be accurate, but uh, he's <laughs> he, he's not the speed demon that some of the other guys are. So I may clip that and put it out on social media because yeah. that was hilarious. <laughs> well, that was to, gold. Yeah, I'm glad to hear I could provide some sort of content for you guys. <laughs> All right, so the uh, the secondary has been better than uh, people outside of Gainesville yeah. Gainesville expected for sure. So currently they're 21st in the country in passing yards allowed. Uh, similar to the front seven, they're tied for 125th in the country in interceptions. So, what's the deal with the secondary? It's a base defense, guys. I mean, what what are we at? At the end of the day, here football is is a game of you know making a big play every now and then, but you got to be steady when it comes down to you know, things like your passing attack and trying to defend against that. If they don't catch the ball, who the fuck cares if they did, if we dropped it uh, as an interception or not, they didn't gain the yards. That's what matters ultimately. And they've been doing a wonderful job of being able to break up passes, passing plays. Now having said that, yes, I would like to see more big plays because really the biggest interception of the year uh, came against Tennessee on a duck pass, on a miss route on, uh, you know, something that I think we hit the, uh, Joe Desmond Watson obliterated Joe Milton on that play. Well, I mean, once he actually makes contact with you, it's going to hurt. It's fair. I mean, you know, you can't be that large and, you know, run into somebody and it not hurt, except for maybe me because I'm also that large. But, you know, that, that that's kind of like the, you know, two brick walls running into each other at that point. I I just don't think that they they've emphasized going after the ball uh, for for the turnover they've also dropped a couple of interceptions this year too there's a reason why a lot of those guys are playing defensive back and it's because they can't catch that damn sure can defend and they're they're fast as hell so what is the one thing that you're confident that florida will do well on saturday in that is an excellent question. One that even though I was given a, a sheet and knew this answer was or knew this question was coming, <laughs> I still don't really have a, a solid answer for this. Um, and, and partially that's because 
Napier, I think, has shown that he can throw the ball against the South Carolina. I'm not confident that he's going to be able to do that. Against Tennessee, he had one of the best running games uh, that I've seen in a long, long time at the University of Florida. Not since the Will Muschamp era has the rushing attack been that heavily emphasized against anyone. So we could do one or the other, or we could do neither. I mean, that's, that's very much apparent to me. I suppose the one thing that I would say that for, for us to do well, I, it's going to be pass coverage. It really is. We're, we're not scared. We're not, we have the speed uh, to be able to contend with the Georgia wide receivers. I don't think very highly of Carson Beck as a quarterback or really a picture taker um, because, God, his team photo is just something to behold. Um, I mean, yeah, yeah. Very Jacksonville, very methy lo- looking. Looks yeah, like he he's, might have he's taken from Jacksonville. Adderall. He's yeah. from there. Yeah, yeah. It's, that's why I said he's very Jacksonville. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, he looks like he's coked out on Adderall, and good for him if he was. But also, I that doesn't mean that he's really zeroing in on those wide receivers. He's still seeing something shiny in the stands, I guess. So you know, there's there's going to be opportunities for us to to play well uh, in pass coverage. I don't necessarily think that we're going to stop the the rushing attack because really nobody's really stopped uh, the rushing attack for UGA this year. It's just been kind of a ho-hum type yeah. of attack without the biggest of plays. doesn't mean that they're not how, – how many yards per game is, is Georgia piling up? I mean, it's over 500 or at least close to it, right? Exactly. So yeah. it's not as though uh, you know they're hurting for yards or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Where they're hurting and where I see the potential for, for an attack is the red zone offense does not seem to be well suited for 20 well, yards. Yeah, Mike Bobo loves to call an, uh, an A-gap run every time they get in the red zone um, yeah. to get zero yards and waste it down. At first down, <laughs> I always yell running up the middle and my, bo- my boy fucking listens. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Mike Bobo's he's a man of the people if the people yeah. are yelling A-gap run on first and 10 at the 18. <laughs> They'll never see it coming. You know, fun fact about Mike Bobo, uh, did you know uh, that he is the only quarterback in the last, yes, right around 75, 80 years or something like that to actually play a game in the Swamp? Did you know oh. he's the first SEC quarterback to win an overtime game? That I did not know, because but I guess it makes sense. Auburn. Yeah, yeah, the Uga yeah. biting uh, the uh, trying to bite the Auburn receiver game. Yeah, yeah. Uga trying to go after Robert Baker. Yep. The year before that was when Bobo and company came came down to the swamp. They were doing uh, some renovations over at the Gator Bowl, now TIAA State Bank Stadium. They may have changed uh, it back like, to like Everbank or whatever. No, oh, have they? I think I don't know. Maybe I don't know. It, it it's Honestly, all corporate. Being American down here, banks don't know what they're doing. They don't no. know how to name the thing. And and also being down here, uh, you would think that I would be suffering through Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, you know, football when it comes to Sundays. But thankfully, the Miami Dolphins have been uh, on instead of the Jags, and so I haven't been able to watch much uh, of many games out of that stadium this year. So I have no idea what the fuck it's called. I'll find You're out. You're also on, on lucky Saturday. to be uh, to be not watching the Falcons play. This they might, big be, fa- big they might be winning some games, but it's it's awful. It's Listen, awful. I'm with you guys on so many things, okay? Anything that is Atlanta, I'm perfectly fine with. 
I can, I can, because I've, I've said this for many, many years. There's, I'm from Atlanta. I'm not from Georgia. Okay. So I am very <laughs> much a Braves fan, very much a Falcons fan. You step outside the city limits. Fuck it. I hate everything that, that's outside the city limits. Well, but once uh, you get okay, inside, you would like there, Savannah if you came here. You, you, for real. Yeah, it's great to come and visit every now and then. But I, it's also always, great to live here. I, I'm it sure is. we both live here. It's I'm boring. sure that it's fine. Delightful. Okay, but do, do you guys have theme parks like right down the road from from y'all? Like big ass well, ones that people have open containers. I'm, same I'm a mentally, that's, that's I am funny. a mentally stable adult. So what I do is I, I go going out with the. Uh, I go get hammered um, instead of go to theme parks. Why not do both? That's a good point. You can drink around Epcot. So, so here's the thing. Once again, we're throwing it back to the intro. I don't have the money to get Disney drunk. Uh, now, that is uh, something that, that I do usually spend my money on is Disney and drinking. Uh, so, no, I, I'll like tomorrow, I'm going to go get a six pack of Tall Boy B- PBRs for $6. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, they still only cost six bucks? Yeah, they do. With inflation, they'd be up to ten. No, tall boy PBR six pack, six bucks. And then I'm gonna go hang out with my friends on Tybee, throw some frisbees through the woods and dart, you know, maybe hit something else and come home. I I think Amanda bought a six pack of Sam Adams Oktoberfest for like twenty bucks. Oh my god! It's like eighteen ninety nine or some shit. Okay, like that. and let's be honest, Sam Adams Sam Adams Oktoberfest is not it's twenty dollars good. I mean, it's a comfort beer for me, so I'm willing to pay it. You know, I'm not willing to pay thirty for it, at least not right now. Uh, but I am is... a whiskey or the cheapest beer I can find kind of person. John can attest. Every time we've uh, we've hung out, I'm, I only drink PBR because I'm cheap. I drink like I'm fucking sixteen. That's that's okay. I drink expensive scotch, and I, you know, vodka is my vice that, uh, yeah, that I'm, I, I'm willing to go cheap on. Tito's yeah. and tonic for me uh, when, when it comes to that. But eh, with beer, I'm still a Sweetwater 420 guy. Anytime that go. I see that, I, I gobble it up. So, the, I, when you come visit Savannah, I need you. I need to take you to a place called Two Tides Brewing. Okay. Okay, do they have a like, solid I, pale ale like four four twenty is or uh it's it's better. Like their six foot IPA is one of, if not the best IPAs I've ever had. All right, it's bold words, but to be fair, I also kind of grew up drinking Sweetwater 420. My mom yeah. at one point worked for a company that uh used uh well, I guess Sweetwater used them as their uh, warehouse, basically, uh, because they were renting warehouse space. They didn't have their own at the time. Uh, and yeah, one of the benefits to that was she would always bring uh, dad home a case. And dad didn't always drink those <laughs> beers. So, you know, I learned how to drink real well on Sweetwater 420. It's, a, it's another one of those comfort beers for me. Well, when you come to Savannah, we're going to take you to Two Tides. I, I'm okay with that. I'm willing to experiment with beer. Not so much whiskey. I'm, I'm very much as I've got two types of scotch that I'll drink, and that's about it. Whoa, you don't drink bourbon? Nope, too sweet, too sweet for me. I know that seems still, like a, I, a little I weird. I still have something. I still have something that I think you would like. There is the occasional like one-off that that might I might go. Oh, that's not like Jim Beam, just fancier. 
you know that that might be the case but for me uh, i'm a huge scotch guy because it's a lot more smoky and this is something that for all of you underage kids out there if you learn how to drink scotch when you're 19 years old guess what you're not going to get carded at a bar nobody cards you when you order scotch not a single person (laughs) that's fair i have two bottles of scotch in my in my cabinet and one is brook laddie classic laddie okay and i have a glenfiddich 18 glenfiddich i will drink i, I love glenfiddich I is my favorite scotch point i point am theory. more of a mccallan guy personally but that's okay. uh, and there's nothing wrong uh, with uh, with glenfiddich um just like there's really nothing wrong with johnny walker uh, i mean there's that's fine if you want to drink uh, you have to drink the upper levels though of the johnny walker right. you can't you, you can't like slum black it in is the, red. the lowest you can go yeah you cannot slum it with the red no. you really can't that's that shit's disgusting but the blue it, oh good god it's just oh it's so wonderful it is it's absolutely delicious i you know when i was back living in atlanta i had uh this ridiculous sales quota for for me and it was um the year before i had kind of set records for sales and stuff like that um my quota was uh, paltry two hundred fifty thousand dollars and i sold 1.1 million a little bit above and beyond yeah yeah, a little bit the 420 percent to quota that's Mm. still a record i believe for that company hell yeah they bumped that up obviously and said well you're gonna sell another million dollars and that happened to be 2020 so that was a fun time but still i exceeded it uh somehow and sold 1.2 million once I did cross the one million dollar threshold, though, that's when I sent uh, the wife out to go get a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue for celebration. This is something that I don't think a lot of people know. This is not to get political or anything like that, right? During that time, that, the price of scotch skyrocketed. Yes, it did. Hmm. Yes, hmm. it did. Okay. I know exactly why, and I'm, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna blame anybody in particular, but somebody who is being protectionist and tariffy. Just saying. As I say, there, that is one of the few times where there is a certain individual you can blame. Yeah, there's <laughs> one specific one that I can blame. Right. Yes. So anyway, I, I'll I'll let it go at that because this is supposed to be a football podcast, right? Right. Yes. I you, mean, we haven't sort of talked about football. solid ten minutes, but yes. that's okay. That's okay. <laughs> Look, I love these kinds of shows. Honestly, the ones that go off yeah. the fucking walls those are my favorite types of podcasts. So for sure. All right, so we got one last game related question okay and then we're going to get into some other stuff real quick mike oh sorry all right (laughs) sorry um so what is your biggest concern for florida in this game um really for me it's being able to get through the first half what i mean by that is if you watch the south carolina game for for uga uh, for instance, South Carolina was able to put up a damn strong fight for the first half. Came out flat-footed in the second half. Part of that is the coaching adjustments that Georgia was making on the sidelines. But it's let's be real; they didn't blow the doors off them in the second half. What was the final score of that that game? Like forty-one, thirty-nine, something like that. Twenty-four, fourteen. Oh, I was thinking South Carolina. My bad. So you know, very clearly, you know. Georgia came back in full force, but they came back in full force to all of three touchdowns. Uh, to be fair, right? I was at that game 
and it was like 30 mile an hour winds and pouring down rain. Okay. But they still know uh, my, my point though being is that Georgia's not the strongest of first half teams. I watched them against uh, Vanderbilt a couple of weeks ago. It's not as though they came out firing on all, all cylinders there. Now, look, I know that they're playing a neuter uh, at Vandy, and nobody's up for the, for those games. But if you're the same sort of, you know, talent-rich, you know, number one-ranked team that's not prone to any sort of upset, you go out and you kick the shit out of somebody like Vanderbilt, even if it is a neuter. So there is, uh, like, something to be said about getting through that first half. If we can get – if we can pile up the points – and maybe you know get it to the point where it it becomes a boat race, but they they end up not having enough in the tank. That'd be the ideal uh, scenario for me on Saturday, obviously, because and that's honestly the only way that I see them pulling off a win is is kind of going up like twenty eight to seven uh, at, at halftime, and then just continuing to match blow for blow, and hopefully hopefully hanging on. Um, now I have to ask you guys here because I really, I genuinely don't know what is Georgia special teams like because Florida special teams have have turned around all of a sudden here, and I'm I'm intrigued to see what what this one goes. So in that South Carolina game, it was awful. Yeah, but like I said, thirty mile an hour winds, wind, rain, gotcha. rain. I don't know, someone sitting in the stands who was absolutely fucking miserable. But <laughs> that – I think Peyton Woodring, as the kicker, has only missed four field goals all season and three were during that game. Okay. And all then right. you have you have the Aussie, uh, Brett Thorson, who, you know, pinned Tennessee back in that game last year for what should have That's been a safety, but the referees point. didn't call it. Uh, yep. So – Outside of the South Carolina game, the special teams have been phenomenal. Fair enough. But, but okay, I'll, I will point this out. I mean, and I this may just be, um, like anecdotal or whatever. But it seems like the last like maybe like three or so games that, um, punt you know punt return kick return, they struggled a little bit to field the balls. Like uh, Makai Muse, um, I think his muffle was like, two drops or, here lately. Yeah, he's had like two like a. a I want to say like three muffs the last few games. Like, so he's he's fallen on top of them. Yeah, he hasn't lost. I don't think he's lost any. Yeah, but at at some point that's going to catch up to him if he continues to have the you know in the case of the drops he's there. But that's the one thing that would concern me a little bit. Brett Thorson hasn't played enough. We don't punt like not not to be like too braggadocious or anything like that. But like they really haven't punted all that much. Like there's I was about to say I think he's got less than ten punts on the season. Yeah, George. I mean, if 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 Georgia doesn't score, it it's usually because they miss a field goal or they have a turnover, and they've had yeah. more. Tur- it feels like again, anecdotally, they feel it feels like they've had more turnovers this year than at, at this point than they did the last you know the last couple of years. And I, I could be totally wrong about that. From what I've seen, they've also stalled out more yeah. so at like the thirty-five yard line where they might gamble and maybe go for it on fourth and one. Or, yeah, or something right. like that. So they've had a couple of those drives as well. The only reason I bring this up is because I do want to get the best named kicker uh, that I think is out there right now in Trey Smack. I want to give him some uh, Ooh. some love. Ooh. That is a great kicker. That is a great name. UCF's kicker's last name is Boomer. Oh, yeah, that's pretty good. That it no, nothing. Trey they Smack. Oklahoma last Smack. week. So Boomer was punting, punting at Oklahoma Boomer. last week. Yeah. I can see that. Oh wow! 
That was a good one. I well, just rewatched that game yesterday. All time for kickers, though. Like Dicker the kicker at Texas. Yeah. Oh, no, that's the best it. one. You can't yeah. you can't beat yeah. that. Um, but no, the seriously, uh, Trace Mack has come on. Adam Mahalik started the, the the season as the place kicker, missed uh, a couple of field goals against uh Charlotte, uh, I believe. And ever since then, it's been Trace Mack in there uh, as the the place kicker, and he has been perfect. He's not missed a single field goal or a single uh, hmm. extra point. Uh, like you guys, we have a, an Aussie style punter or an Aussie punter, and he's a, one of those weird ones too, like Cam Smith on the PGA Tour, uh, who's got like a mustache that really shouldn't be a mustache because it's very peach fuzzy uh, and kind of has a mullet uh, situation going on. That's just the Australian. I was about to say, right one of my real good friends lives in Australia, and uh, and he says almost everybody that's not like a hardcore professional has a mullet and a mustache. He Hell says, yeah. It doesn't shock me. Doesn't shock me. And don't get me wrong, I would love to be experimental with my facial hair, make no mistake, but also... I should, you know how like it used to be. Well, I I don't know when the last time I shaved was. It's been like at least seven or eight years since I I've done it. But when I used to shave, I actually tell you the exact date that the last time I shaved. Okay, let me ask you. Well, on this exact date, did you do this? Did you end up shaving into various forms of facial hair just to see what you'd look like? And just yeah, that's case? what every guy does. Exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah. Hand yeah. Up. Exactly. Who yep. hasn't done the handlebar mustache? I got yelled at so bad. I was about to go to school with fucking Fu Manchu, and my wife would not leave the house until I shaved it. I can tell you as far as mustaches go, mine needs to trim real bad. I'm sitting here. My mustache is tickling my bottom lip right now. Yeah, Once I start eating the, the beard, clippers. I can't do it. I have, I have no upper lip, if you can see it in the video. That's just oh, bottom no. lip. No, I, I, I get it. I have to maintain an immaculately close beard for a couple different reasons. One... My beard hair is just not it's it's kind of like eh, everywhere it, it kind of just goes off wherever the fuck it wants to it doesn't grow in a nice thick full you know any sort of pattern it just goes off into weird directions and i don't like it for one thing. the reason i don't trim my mustache is i have um what i have self-diagnosed as situational epilepsy um and when i go to trim my mustache i'll sit there with my like my trimmer and then just my arm twitches and then I just have a random ass line straight uh, to skin through my mustache, so I don't trim it. No, that's that's also fair. the The other thing here is, uh, you know, down here in the state of Florida, as much as I love the sunshine, I don't necessarily love the humidity that is down here. If you have too much facial hair, you will sweat and you will have a bad time. Uh, it's oh, one thing to come summer, down here for a visit. Last mm-hmm. summer in Savannah, I had hair down to the bottom of my shoulder blades and a beard out to here. It I was remember you at the Florida game that you guys went uh, that you went to last year. Kind of similar. You still had a, yeah. a pretty long mane. Yeah, yeah. Um, I couldn't have handled this summer with that same hair. Just being honest. Yeah, yeah. This summer, this summer was brutal. So I work uh, in I don't know if you guys knew this or not. I work in air conditioning. That's a rather popular business down here in the state of Florida. But because I work in air conditioning, I actually work without air conditioning all the time because I'm constantly in places that don't have it, and that's why I'm there. So I'm constantly sweating and just like begging to get back to the car uh, so that I can crank up the AC and waste my company's gas. That's really what it feels like I'm doing for a solid 15 minutes just to cool down. Because as someone that, who also drives a company vehicle, I can confirm. Yeah, it's just not great out there uh, no. sometimes when it's 
98 degrees and you know 87 percent humidity it is oh, not not pleasant not pleasant especially when you have to wear at least jeans if not khakis you know the wearing pants in florida is is a tough Be, being a field guy being a field guy i have um fun fact if anybody else that listens to this is a is a field guy um columbia swim trunks have huh? belt loops they That's have true. belt loops they do they do so all summer i have a few pair of columbia swim trunks and i do laundry twice a week but twice especially because i work in a water-based business and they dry quick and they have extra pockets throw a belt on my columbia swim trunks and i wear swim trunks like seven days a week in the summer so this is why i'm obsessed with buying uh certain brands and types of products um i have my own podcast uh about traveling to disney world and i'm sure you'll let me plug that here in just a little absolutely well hey i'm i've liked and subscribed i appreciate that because i've been yelling at people not only have I also subscribed, but before I went to to Disney for the first time in 20 years, a few months back, I listened. Oh, did you? So you yeah. got some good advice, I take it. Yes. Also, oh, yeah. our friends that live in Orlando have season passes and go all the time. So, so they, they know exactly my plight. Correct. <laughs> Correct. They know yes. my plight. Uh, so one of the things down here in particular, because of the heat and the humidity, man, I won't buy Florida gear unless it's like the authentic Nike coaches yes. gear or, or the players gear. Hell, I'm willing to buy it off a player on eBay if that's what it takes to get the dry fit and shit because that's the only way you can survive down here. Same. You end up wearing those 100% cotton t-shirts. Fuck that shit. Nope. I, I have no desire to wear any of that. Under Armour, that brand alone has saved me uh, yeah. as far as I'm concerned from so much gold bond. That I, I mean, the amount of money that I would spend on gold bond uh, would yeah. be astronomical, if not for Under Armour. So, monkey butt I, powder is also a solid investment. Is it? I've not tried it. I'm terrified. It's good. Be- it's good. But then, so pro tip, um, there's a there's like a deodorant stick thing called Body Glide. Ah, I've seen this. I have. I've, I've not tried it. it. I've used it. Is it for so, your um it's for everywhere that your yeah. skin rubs together when you're right. sweating and moving so, yes. a lot yeah. um all right bro i would coat the inside of my legs before we would go on rough marches when i was still in the military i did nice. we did 12 miles in three and a half hours with rucksacks on did not chafe a single time wow okay. no free ads but thick kings listen out and go to body glide. Hey, we need to get fucking on top of that, like ASAP. Damn, that, that's that's very impressive. Uh, I'd be especially because there's no chance in hell that I could ever march uh, a mile in three and a half hours at, at this point, uh, and it well, the state of I, my bodily function. So I, that's that's an amazing day, achievement. Back in the day, I was I was a bad motherfucker, and then. <laughs> And then drinking and uh, multiple injuries set in. And now yeah, I know who I am. Yeah, yeah. I'm not here to judge. Uh, but yeah, there's, there's just something about these Under Armour shirts and those kinds of dry fit in particular. I want, Columbia, you brought them up. The, those PFG uh, long yep. sleeve shirts. Man, I've got like 12 of those things. I don't even fish, guys. I, like, they're, just, <laughs> they're, they're just fucking comfortable. They are. They are. 
and it's like you're wearing sunblock. So like that's a good pro tip out there for dealing with the sun. Wear some mm-hmm. of those Columbia sh- shirts. I'm telling you, they'll, they'll they'll take care of some shit. I All think right. we were supposed I, to make a pick or something. I don't. I was about to say I don't really <laughs> remember where we're at, but we're gonna do um, we're gonna do some game picks real quick, and we don't have very many this week because, like we said, the slate's kind of shit. Fair. Um, so we've got Oregon, and you just have to do straight up picks. But we got Oregon six and a half point favorites at Utah over under forty eight and a half. You know what? I'm actually going to take Utah on the points. Ooh, okay. A uh, couple reasons. One, it uh, doesn't matter that Bo Nix has been around since Stetson Bennett uh, has also been around uh, playing quarterback. But that, to be honest with you, Oregon has not been overly impressive, even in the games that they they you know purportedly played well in. I didn't think that they were all that impressive against uh, Colorado, to be honest with you. And then and Texas other, Tech, for that matter, but yeah, that's another yeah. thing. And they went out and lost uh the last time they they were out there yes it's to washington and michael penis jr or whatever his name is but um hey the nothing finder poll had washington at number one for a week tied with georgia for that matter but hey if you want to get in on the poll so i say i'll I'll throw i'll throw some picks in there every now and then but yeah i I look i gotta be honest with you utah is a tougher place to play than people will give it credit for and it's certainly at a higher elevation than, than anything that Oregon has had to deal with. And that is a thing that, that you yeah, have to actually is. watch out for. It is going to slow down that attack to a degree, not saying that it's going to overwhelm them or, or anything like that. Utah's a solid program, guys. Yeah. They, they've absolutely earned their, their place uh, out there in the Pac-12, and I genuinely think that they, they can actually put up a damn good fight against the, the Ducks. I, I can see Utah pulling off an upset here. They're going to dominate the Big 12, for that matter, as soon as they move there next year, too. Yeah, that's for sure. Especially they can actually with play Texas and Oklahoma yep. out of the race. Yep. Mm-hmm. I'm interested so, to see how that trip to UCF goes, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, right. It, I think it would be just as interesting to see UCF go to Utah. That's to what happened from, with Florida, to be right, honest. It's like going feet from of fucking, elevation to 5,000. Look, when they came into the swamp, they had no idea what the hell they were in for. Those no. guys were on the sidelines puking left and right uh, because of all. Oh. Yeah, because just the heat and the humidity. Uh, yeah. like, I was about to they, say, they, that's something that even during the Florida-Utah game this year we talked to you about on that live yeah. stream. You can prepare for a lot of things. Two things you can't really prepare for no matter how good your facility is. Humidity mm-hmm. and elevation. Yep. Very true. Very, very true. So and there is the difference between Florida and Utah, if there ever was one, besides you know, <laughs> Mormons and strip clubs and meth and whatever. You know, it's fine. Um, bath salts. I, I can go on. But there couldn't, yeah, there couldn't be any more like diametrically like opposed like states or like different states or inverse states than Utah and Florida. Yeah, so it's a very weird situation. How the yeah. hell we ended up playing them? I have no idea. But it, it's not, the Urban Meyer Bowl, right? Yeah, sure we'll go with that uh, <laughs> okay yeah exactly uh so yeah i i kind of see uh oregon maybe maybe struggling uh, with utah this week next game tennessee three and a half point favorites going to lexington playing kentucky over under 51 and a half kentucky's tougher than they uh, they get credit for you guys they genuinely are if you can run the ball, or if they can run the ball, they are fucking dominant. And I saw it. I saw it against my own team. I, honestly, 
losing a game against Alabama will sometimes affect people to the point where they lose twice. And I kind of see that happening with Josh Heupel and in Tennessee. Tennessee is absolutely more talented than Kentucky. There's no doubt about it in my mind, but it's, it's a really different environment when you go up to Lexington to play. I'm going with, the, uh, with Kentucky on this one. I will say there used to be like a stat like when, uh, when teams would play Alabama that, I mean, I know it wasn't like in the other, uh, the, the uh, opposing team's favor. Yeah, yeah, but like it was like whoever, like you would, you would damn well be sure, like after you played Alabama, you'd more than likely lose that game the following week. And part of it's because they just beat you so bad physically or yeah. they just wore you out so bad physically that you just didn't have a chance to really recharge in time for, for another week. Uh, mm-hmm. After that, it's different if they had a bye week after that. I think then then everybody was pretty much fine. But I mean, the ankle sprains hurt a lot worse when you're playing a team like that. You yeah. know, they they just do. Yeah, they keep you out for a little bit longer. Speaking of, they, they, I'm I'm on a serious note here with Brock Bowers. He had the tightrope surgery, right? Yep. So he had the same surgery as Tua Tungo Vailoa mm-hmm. back in yes. the day. Why was Tua able to play, but Brock is going to be out? So Tua had the surgery after the SEC championship game and came back three weeks later. In the that was before that, wasn't it? I, yeah, I thought he was before that as well. Mm, I, I thought it was during an Alabama. I thought it was during an he, Alabama bye week, and he came back to play LSU after the bye. Yeah, I thought. I, yeah, I thought that's what it was. I would have to look. I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I will say. Brock had the surgery on like Monday or Tuesday of last week, and he's already out of crutches working towards coming back. So it's like a four to six week like recovery, right? So like he he may be back for for humans, but we've come to the conclusion that Brock Bowers is not one of us. Um, (laughs) So he's playing Saturday is what you're saying. I wouldn't go that far. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if Georgia has invested in back to tanks. Um, but the amount that they spend on fucking recruiting and, and just like this, the football program in general, maybe it wouldn't shock me if they found uh, back to tank from a galaxy uh, far, far away in a yep. long, long time ago. So I'm so glad you got that reference. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Look, <laughs> you know, it's my dream to be on a Georgia podcast, talking shit about Georgia and talking pro Florida. That's one of my dreams. The other one is to be on a Star Trek podcast where I can really nerd the fuck out on some Live Long and Prosper. I have watched every single episode and movie of Star Trek to the point where I tallied it up. An entire month of my life with no sleep, mind you, has been dedicated more than once to watching the entire Star Trek library. So I will say, back to Tank, I was referring to Star Wars. Of course you were, because I've seen The Mandalorian. Uh, (laughs) And you know what? Here's my instead of flicking you off, I'm going to give you the the live long and prosper sign on that. Star Trek is way better than Star Wars. I I've never been able to get into Star Trek, but so hey, our Patrick other Stewart, friends though. that live in Orlando told us about the Libby app, where if you have a library card, you can listen to audiobooks for free instead of paying Audible twenty five dollars a month for one book. Okay. Um, and all the books that I want to listen to are currently on very long holds. And as someone who drives a ridiculous amount for work, totally I have listened to three Star Wars novels in the past two weeks. Caught me up on some Tom Clancy going that route. I understand exactly where you're coming from. I, you know, there's a book series that I've been following for the last 12 years that 
our local library does not have the audiobook of the latest one. So I am just biding my time until I get to that one. This is a Star Wars. Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, okay. It's, okay. It, you know, I free add on this one. Brad Taylor, former Special Forces officer, writes phenomenal books. And he's got like 19 out so far. Okay. So if you want to listen to a military book, it starts with One Rough Man, phenomenal series. Free ad. Free ad. I would love to actually, I don't care if it's about football. I'd love to get him on the show one day. See, I was I'm really angling to, to give Georgia libraries a, a little bit of shit for not, uh, you know, introducing science fiction into their their uh, catalog. I, I kind of see Georgia libraries about peanut farming and, well, that's about it. They're I, not as good as they could be, but they're not as bad as some. That's, that's true. That's true. Because like like I'm currently apparently there is a prologue novel that's like thirty chapters to Rogue One, the Star Wars movie, which was entirely unnecessary as a movie. It was the best of these Disney Star Wars movies. Okay, it filled a plot hole that I didn't even realize was there. Okay, to be fair, if you go on Libby and listen to the book Catalyst, that movie makes. 10 times the amount of sense it did, does when you just watch the movie. See, this is the problem with the with the recent Star Wars shit. I tried to watch the uh, Ahsoka series. Apparently, I had to watch 17 cartoon seasons uh, of some shit before nine. I could even... I'm sorry, nine. My bad. I had, to, uh, I had to watch almost a decade's worth of cartoons to have any sort of nerd boner for any of the characters that were showing up. So the problem is you're series. because yes. people my age, it was coming on week after week and I was able to watch Ahsoka without needing to watch the Clone Wars again. Yeah. But I, I was able to watch the prequels. Like three or four times. I was able to watch the prequels and be very disappointed in the quality of filmmaking that George Lucas was putting out, not realizing that there was any sort of TV show. By the time that that uh, Clone Wars and Rebels came out, I was well on my way to not giving a fuck about Star Wars uh, ever again. Plus, then Disney bought them, and I'm, I, as much as I love Disney, that's kind of when it went really downhill. Correct. Man, oh, God, Correct. The, the remake of Force Awakens was bad. The last movie, I swear to God, I just started laughing in the middle of it. Not anything funny. It was just that bad. It was just you know, that bad. The I ships say, couldn't go up. That was a plot point. <laughs> yes. Um, I will say that I watched one of the um, sequels in Denver while I was there for work. Fucking blazed out of my mind. <laughs> I, it's a little I, different. It was great. It was great. I, I'm trying to pick up my medical card here in the next couple of weeks, so perhaps I'll give it another uh, go around here uh, when I, I do. I will. I will send you a message off air about something to be cautious about if you care. We'll talk when it we'll when talk. it comes to medical cards. But um, last game we need you to pick: Georgia, <laughs> fourteen and a half point favorites <laughs> in Jacksonville, playing Florida, over under forty seven. All right, I'm taking the under on points. Uh, and I am absolutely taking Florida and the points. I'm not calling Florida to win. I would love for them to win, and I see a couple of lanes where they could win. I genuinely do. Uh, and it involves with Georgia coming out slow and sluggish, and Georgia's prone to do that. So there's 
there is an opportunity there for Florida to take advantage of it. What Florida has to do is play the perfect game. They have to throw the ball downfield like they did against South Carolina, and they have to run the ball like they did against Tennessee. They can do that and pitch a pretty okay game on, on defense. I actually think that we can uh, maybe pull off an upset. Don't think that all three things can really happen all at once. So I think Florida plays it a hell of a lot closer than, than Vegas does. I'm going to go ahead and say this game ends up being 24-21. Ooh. Okay. I, you know, that's that's not at all that far off of what I was actually thinking for this one. Um, like, I want to scare the shit out of UGA. Oh, hold on. I do. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to mute real quick because there was a real loud bang. Um, go ahead. But I, I'll be back. All right. Y'all keep going. Yes, live streamers. <laughs> <laughs> You're going to enjoy this one. We'll, we'll see what happens when John investigates a loud bang. <laughs> Again, it is it is Savannah. You never know. knows. So that's the one thing that I will say about living down here in Orlando. There's mm-hmm. not much of that going on. And the parts the, that where that would occur, not close to here. Mm-hmm. So it, it's fewer and further between uh, down here in Orlando. We uh, so like prior to us like living in, in like the Atlanta area, we had talked about living in a in Winter Park, and that was one of the, like the goals. And like, my honest, quite honestly, my wife is still trying to live uh, down there, but worried about you know retirement and stuff like that with uh, like the teacher pension here in the uh, in the state. So no, I don't blame you for that because I had to experience that transitioning from uh, Georgia to Florida myself with my wife mm-hmm. and her her stuff. Now the time served doesn't translate, but. The 401k does, so you're going to be okay, okay uh, mm-hmm. at, at that point. But having said that, Orlando's an expensive town, and it's getting more and more yeah. expensive. And the, the part of the reason is it's my fault. I'll go ahead and say it. My company does a lot of uh, these, you know, kind of ritzy-ass homes uh, the, that are out there. Mm-hmm. There's a neighborhood uh, at Disney World, as a matter of fact. It's called Golden, Golden Oak. The cheapest house on the market there is $9 million. Mm-hmm. Lee, okay, okay. So that's that's the, the area that I'm tend, tending to operate in from a business standpoint. Mm-hmm. That has driven up the cost of every shitty, uh, you know, rebar and cinder block house up to uh, the realm of five hundred thousand dollars. If you want to live in a safe, oh school. lord! I mean, it's, it, at this point, it's it's kind of the same in in, the, in our area too, which is part of believe like the place that we uh, we rented when we first moved here, like. Fucking ten years ago, it was like two hundred thousand. Now it's like three quarters of a million. It's, yeah. it's insane. For us, yeah. for us, it happened in five years. Yeah. Not even. I was about to say, like, when we bought our house, it was expensive. We could sell our house probably for twice or three make... times as much. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, for, like that. There are houses in our neighborhood that have not been updated since before I was born. And still would that are going that are going for six hundred to seven hundred thousand dollars. Jeez, like some of these houses have carpet in the bathrooms. Hell yeah, no, it's kind of comfy on the feet. It is. I I I thought the same thing. Don't get me wrong. I care much more about how my feet feel than resale value. But you know, it is what it is. 
Yeah, I mean, you got to go with the laminate, but anyway. So yeah, yeah. there's there's my pick, guys. 24-21 UGA. Unfortunately for me, um, you know, I I wish uh, that that's not the case. I I'm going to be rooting my enlarged heart out uh, for the Gators on Saturday, but you know, I don't think that my cheering will be enough. You know, I I do wish that I could be there this weekend, but. We do have friends quite literally flying in from New York to uh, to be here this weekend with us, and we are watching their daughter on Saturday. But within the next two years, I will come back to the game in Jacksonville. Well, it's not going to be there in two years, though, is it? That's, that's So I don't know. Okay. Can we get in on this yet. show? But yeah, they, they have not said anything yet. Yeah. Do you guys want the home it. and home? Do you guys want the home and home? I do, so, actually. Uh, so like for for me selfishly, okay, because I like we talked about, we both live in Savannah. It's only two hours away for me instead of four hours in like you know the fucking backwoods of fucking Georgia going back from Savannah. But selfishly for me as a season ticket holder, I would prefer a home at home. That's fair. So I have two a uh, two hour drive up I seventy five in the Turnpike. It's not a terrible drive. I mean, it's a terrible drive, but it's not the, you know. Well, that's it's not because the it's an interstate in the Orlando area is why it's a terrible drive. Right, because of all the, yeah. you know, tourists, as I call them. Um, well, not only that, but the roads around Orlando are almost as bad as the roads in South Carolina. Almost. Not quite, but almost. Yeah, there's some spots that it's improving. I'll just say that. Okay. You know, the, you know Turnpike is constantly under construction, though, so. Yeah. Uh, and that's because everybody keeps driving down there and fucking up the road that they just built. So, you know, who, who would have thought, right? Um, mm-hmm. I honestly would like the novelty of it once, and that's it. Yeah. Like, I think at once every 30-something years, that's fine. That, so, that's fine to do a home-and-home. Home. But I, I want it in Jackson. Yeah. So we talked to Candler. I don't know if it was – I don't know. Candler's been on the show like four or five times at this point. I don't remember which time it was. But he said if you worked it out like year to year wise, it would have to be neutral, home away, neutral, home away, neutral for it to line up to where each team has the same amount of home games. Um, But I'm not against that split. One, selfishly on multiple years, as far as that goes, I have season tickets. Jacksonville's two hours away. Gainesville's four hours away. And I know that if I went to the game in Gainesville, you would protect me until I got to my seats. That's true. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, I would. Uh, there's not many Florida fans that, that would fuck with me. Uh, on Really, there's nobody that's going to fuck with, uh, with somebody who's And I will say, last year when we went to that South Carolina game, everybody was super friendly. You know, yeah. everybody was super friendly – and then right after the fourth quarter started, it was a blowout. We already seen the Tom Petty thing. And we were like, hey, Georgia game starts in 30, 45 minutes. Let's go. And then people started throwing shit and chirping at us as we were leaving the stadium, which means they have no balls to do it while we're sitting there. Sure. Um, but up until the point where we got up to leave, they were everybody great. was super friendly. Yeah, I'm sure that that's the case. Um, look, I gotta be honest with you. I don't, I don't know what happens sometimes in the upper deck because I'm down in the, you know, the, the lower. Oh, uh, we had free tickets. We were literally with our backs against the wall in the, in the very top row. Yeah. 
I'm 13 rows back of the end zone. So I, I'm in a little bit of a different situation. Uh, the only thing that I have to contend with is a beach ball. Uh, and that, that's the only thing that's getting tossed around in that part of the stadium. Thank God. Because, uh, yeah, if you guys start raining down beer cans, I'm, I'm going to die. I'm, gonna, I'm not going to make it. Um, <laughs> so, I, like I said, I love the novelty of it. I, I've actually gone back and watched on YouTube there, uh, the, the, the one time that Georgia – was in the swamp it was a night game like i said mike bobo was starting it uh and obviously for my purposes ended up great uh because florida uh, kicked their ass um but that was the also spurrier had... years of florida which yes, it was yes it was <laughs> long gone yeah just a little bit but but um the the novelty of it was certainly interesting to to watch um but man there's so few neutral site games that mean anything. I think there's really I, only two, and that's the the cocktail party and the Red River rivalry. Those are the only yeah. uh, and and you know what and Army Navy. But yeah. outside of those, I those three, um, there, there's really none of the like. I know they're trying with this Texas A and M and Arkansas thing. I don't think that's ever going to catch on. Uh, I think they're going to go back to be, actually being at home and home pretty soon. I think when we talk to uh, what uh, our A and M guy. Robert Barron's. Yeah. He had talked about that, I think, only being a thing for another what year or two, I think. Possibly. Yeah, the, contra- the contract, I think, runs out in 2026. Yeah. At the latest, I think, mm-hmm. is when it runs out. I can see why Arkansas wants to play in Jerry World, since Jerry uh, is an alum uh, mm-hmm. of Arkansas. And I, I can understand why Texas A&M would want to play uh, in the biggest stadium in the state of Texas. So just – from those two perspectives, I guess that lines up. But man, it's not a big game, and no, no. and Texas A and M has dominated that. And for the most part, I think Arkansas pulled one out uh, a couple of years Badly. ago. But we um, we love Sam Pittman, but yes. it's been rough. <laughs> I mean, you know, he's another one of these long line of Georgia coaches that uh, wants to run the ball three yards in a cloud of dust all the time. So you know, whatever. I have three yards in a cloud of dust is one back to back title. So. You also had like you know somebody who should have been a doctor starting for you at quarterback, but he didn't even graduate college. So there's that. Hey, Uh, eligibility is eligibility. (laughs) Yeah, COVID be damned. And and let's be honest, if you guys had a quarterback that's been its caliber that could have come back for this season with Ricky Pearsall, Trevor Etienne, Montrell Johnson, you would have taken him. So here's the thing, though. Okay, in that position, I understand exactly what you're talking about, but I think I had that kind of a couple of years ago in Kyle Trask because Kyle Trask could have come back after the 2020 season and he was a Heisman candidate in 2020 or a Heisman finalist in 2020. It's not like he was a, a, a terrible quarterback. And man, if he had stayed, I know we would have. If he had stayed and they wouldn't have had a Todd Grantham defense. Also, I that's know- the only reason that they didn't make the playoff that year. I also know that for Florida to be successful and for the long-term uh, success of the program, you have to, to, to move on. You have to, to move on at the peak. They did with, with Kyle Trask. I mean, they absolutely did. Um, and I'm, I honestly think that he probably should be starting in Tampa Bay, given Baker Mayfield and his play, especially if last they game, lost to the Falcons, Falcons this year, that should be automatically losing your starting job. Yeah, well, they did. So there's yeah. that. Uh, maybe uh, Trask will get a shot again. But anyway, it, you know, we had that uh, already. And I, 
was happy for him that he moved on to to greener pastures, uh, honestly, because he was making millions of dollars for for one thing. But also, you do have to you have to promise those young kids that you're going to get to play, and you can't just go, well, let's hand the keys back over to the seventh year guy at some point. I don't understand why Carson unless Beck he wins still back to back titles for the first time in college football playoff I history. I still don't. I still don't understand why Carson Beck is is at UGA if he was that great. Because if he was I, that, well, that great, I think he, he transfers. Because I think Justin Fields did this. So so don't get me wrong. I was making that exact same argument in the spring. I was you. I mean, you can ask Mike and anybody that regularly listens to the show. I was 100 percent on Brock Vandegrift. I thought he was Mm -hmm. a taller, stronger, faster, bigger arm Stetson Bennett. And then the spring game happened and Carson Beck did what he did. In the spring game, I know it's a spring game. Don't get me wrong. Right. But he did what he did in the spring game against number one offense. That have that has been a top ten offense for the past four years, or a top ten defense for the past four years. Sure. sure. And I was like, all right, I'm on the Carson Beck train. That mm-hmm. also turned over all of those stars from the that defensive squad in those two in those last yeah, two years in particular that, into the NFL draft. We said draft. that we said that in 2020 and 2021 and yeah, and then they lost even more talent after 2022. So you know, there's uh, yes, it's yes, there were there were reloading. eight picks off the defense in 2021 and only six off the defense in 2022. Oh, oh I'm sorry. I I mean, we're if we're talking numbers here. I got some numbers to back it up, but I understand what you're saying. And I was on the same page a few months ago, but when we're talking about what they've done, whether it's a spring game or a real game, Carson Beck has performed better. Okay, sure. Uh, I also am, I'm just, I'm not there yet. No, with, with it, but this is also I, I'm maybe. I'm not saying better is great. I'm saying better is better than the other options. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I kind of think that this is one of those Stetson Bennett versus what's his name? What was the guy that was supposed Daniels. to be? Yeah. Yeah. I think this this is one of those situations where maybe he's the more steady hand, but I don't think he's got the higher ceiling than, than Vandergrift. And I, I don't know, but, but this gets into, you know, how, how it's recruited and everything like this is why I hate recruiting. Oh, I hate recruiting. Okay, um, so anyway. we're we're running on like an hour and forty five minutes, and we still got a ca- couple games to talk about. So, <laughs> okay. yes, let's do it quickly. Lightning round. I, I was about to say, plug what you got to plug, and then we're gonna we're gonna do our calling the dogs and talk about some couple other games. Guys, if you like Disney World and but find some things to be a little bit weird about it, and you like to joke about it with friends, but outside of that you'll never say that to anybody or if you really fucking hate disney world and just want to hear me bash on it a little bit check out the cynics on disney podcast it's released every single monday uh where me and my wife we are trying to actively review everything everything that you can possibly do at disney world where whether it's staying at a resort eating at a restaurant going on uh rides whatever the the case may be we try to review it and we catch you up on the disney world news as well we also do that with a little bit of a biting tongue because quite frankly you know what i love disney world i absolutely do also there's some weird shit there there just really is and you know what it's okay to make fun of some some of that stuff honestly i don't understand why people don't make fun of it more I think people are a little bit too sensitive about some of that stuff these days. That's how I show affection, as a matter of fact, guys. That's why I'm willing to come on here and make that kind of a joke uh, about our defensive tackle being fat. Just fat, not fast. 
So, you know, that's that's my showing of affection. It's the way that I treat uh, Disney World. And uh, like I said, please check us out. Subscribe, rate, and review. All right. One question about Disney, and okay. I need it to be a quick response. Done. The Avatar ride in Animal Kingdom, like the, the wings of whatever. One, one out of ten. What do you give it? Okay, so this is a difficult rating for me. Uh, I can't fit my fat ass on that ride, so I can't accurately portray it from my perspective. Now, having said that, everybody that has ridden it will give it at least a seven and a half, if not higher. So there, you, you can't. My personal rating is probably eight, eight and a half. Right. So it's it's accurate. I, I that doesn't mean there's not problems. Like I said, you know what? It's again, it's the current year. Think that they should have some body inclusive, uh, you know, Fair. ride vehicles. Just saying mm-hmm. for uh, for us uh, heftier Americans uh, that are hey, out there. And good hey, God, there's a lot Bobby, of them. Bobby, give yourself credit. You are a thick king. I am, and I've also lost a good bit of weight. So there, there is yeah. that. But I still can't fit my fat ass on that attraction. So we're we're waiting for the day the, uh, to review that one until I can. Okay. Uh, we only went to Animal Kingdom when I went a few months ago, and that was by far my favorite ride. If you can get someone with hey. with my mentality to ignore the rest of the world and focus on the ride for a minute, that's a fucking win. So Animal Kingdom ha- does have like a Harambe, like just signs and shit. So there's that. Yeah, that makes yes. me laugh every time. Thanks yes. for, for that, Mike. Yep. I appreciate that. <laughs> I You know, and, and I went with a guy that just got his PhD in herpetology. Um, which for, if you don't know someone in that field, it is the study of amphibians. Okay. Um, so I thought it was the study of, um, Daltrex, but that's. You know. No, 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 He, he is our resident frog doctor. Shout out Matt. Um, yeah, Matt. Shout out Matt. He got his doctorate in, in frogs. Um, actually they just bought a house outside of Orlando. So once again, shout out Matt and Rachel, um, but they're the ones that took us to Disney that day. It was the day after he got his PhD. It's pretty huge accomplishment there uh, to yeah. Yeah. to do that and to want to go to Animal Kingdom, particularly uh, in the summertime. It is a fucking. Oh, it's always that, ten yes. degrees hotter in Animal Kingdom than it ever is anywhere else in the state of Florida. Yes. I, I swear by that. Uh, mm-hmm. So once you again, know, cut yeah. off Wrangler T-shirt and short ass shorts. That's how I live my life, April to October. Like I, I Drive. look, I got I got some thigh tattoos that you shouldn't see most of the year. <laughs> but when it's when it is hot, you're gonna see my thigh tattoos. It just is what it is. Well, like I, you- I just, if I cared what I looked like, I would do something different. But oh. one, I'm married. Two, I just don't care. And those are my two reasons. Actually, you know what? This brings up one of the best pieces of advice I can give to any Disney World traveler. Um, don't give a fuck about what yes, you look correct. like. Be comfortable. Don't dress for, for success. Dress for comfort. Like, if that means yoga pants, you go ahead and wear that, babe. If that means, uh, well, you know, some shitty gym shorts that you've been wearing since high school because they still have your high school football number on it, so be it. Go right ahead. That's what uh, that's what you need. You're to not to meeting it. your wife at Disney World or husband. No, you're not. Unless you're already no. married. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. 
be comfortable because it's going to be hot. It's going to be miserable, except for the 30 minutes a day you're on the ride. Absolutely. Absolutely. Disney World is one of those things where it's like the trip is a roller coaster where the highest of highs outweigh the lowest of lows. So you say you had a good time. This is very Mm -hmm. true. But for if you broke it broke it up by minute by minute, you're having a shitty time more minutes than you're having a good time. Mm, yes, absolutely. I would 100% concur. Uh, and that's part of the reason why I am the way that I am about Disney World is because I've stood in those lines and had, you know, someone who's, just, you know, wears shit like you uh, and decides <laughs> to, you know, not put on deodorant at the same time. And the, oh, well, I don't the, do that. Yeah, it's the sweat of a thousand burning suns, man. It's just like, oh, God, the B.O. situation you know in the summer. We're, we're talking about going back to Disney next year. I will call you. and Please uh, do, and I can assure you I will be taking you out to dinner. Uh, and at, not at one of these schleppy quick service places either. We'll go somewhere <laughs> nice. We're, okay. we're actually going uh, Thanksgiving week. I'm taking all the kids down there and everything. We're going, uh, I think we're going to Epcot and uh, Magic Kingdom. So, I mean, that's usually the go-to for both of us, but... That fucking the Guardians of the Galaxy ride we went to last year. Oh yeah. Oh my god. It's amazing. Yeah. It's I haven't amazing. I haven't spent a lot of I mean, okay, so I haven't watched uh I uh, haven't spent a ton of time watching the movies themselves, but the, I fucking appreciate that ride more than anybody else. Best would know. Guardians of the Galaxy movie is the Christmas movie, and I will mm-hmm. die on that hill. Okay, I see see where you're going with this because boy did I laugh. At Kevin Bacon. Boy, did I laugh at Kevin Bacon. Hey, oh, wow. So the whole Guardians of the Galaxy, you know, it, we did we did a whole every SEC program as an MCU movie. Like, Oh, what did you choose Florida? Uh, just out of curiosity, what was Florida? I, I got to go back. But I would have gone with uh, Ant-Man. I would have. Uh, it may have underrated. been what it was. It, I, I would go back and look. Um, that original but, Ant-Man, I'm telling you, it's... Anyway, um, yes, continue. So that was actually 31 episodes ago, ironically. Oh, there um, we go. Let me pull it up here. I'm I'm looking for it. Um I said Florida is the original Iron Man because Florida is the team that started SEC dominance and the relative modern era with Steve Spurrier and Urban Meyer. Yeah, that's fair. And then uh they get I gave killed off in a blaze of glory. I gave praise to Florida. I, I appreciate that. I genuinely do. I know that was one of the toughest things that you've ever had to do in, on a microphone. I, you know, I is we are a Georgia show, but sure. I do my damn sure best to be as objective as possible. And, and I since have I'm not a host, Georgia I can be more times this season than we have done in our history. As I'm just a guest, and I'm kind of brought on here for jazz hands and being kind of an asshole. Um, you know, I don't have to be objective in any way, shape, or form. So I appreciate that about you. I, I genuinely do. Um, but also, I can't be that way. I, I really can't. So, for the record, Georgia was a Avengers Endgame. Okay. They were because because it took for Alabama was to Infinity to War. Alabama was Infinity War, where they won, and it seemed like everything was lost. And then a few years later, Georgia came in. Uh, ah, you see, you see, you see, you see. Uh, I see. Um, so you know, if you're listening to this episode and didn't listen to that one and care about Marvel, go back and listen to episode 63. Um, 
but we are damn near at two hours now and and uh and we really need to get moving so thank you bobby for coming on and talking to us really appreciate it yeah thanks again for um, having me this year guys i appreciate it anytime that uh, that you need somebody to talk florida football for you i'm always there sure hopefully Absolutely. i'll see you down in jacksonville um in a couple of days hopefully Sounds great, fingers man. crossed uh, send me a text we'll, we'll meet up i promise you oh for sure all right man you guys have a great night you too appreciate yeah. it man. All right, we want to thank Bobby for coming on once again and talking to us. We know it's a long episode, so we're going to try and get through these next few things real quick. We're going to play Calling the Dogs right now. Um, thank you again for calling in and talking to us. If you want to call in, the number is 678-465-8020, and we're going to go ahead and get to that. All right, y'all, big week this week, big week. It is time for our Georgia Bulldogs, who have just come off playing against the toughest opponent we have played all season. Bye. Versus the Florida Methods, coached by Sunbelt Bailey. That was really hard, really hard to take this game seriously, because listen up to these straight-up sacks. Against the one decent running back they have played against all season. And, yeah, I'm looking at you, Tennessee. I said this was the one decent running back they played against all season. They gave up a whopping 280 yards on the ground. Now, I'm not sure Georgia has given up 280 yards to a quarterback this season through the air. But that is what Florida allowed Ray Davis to do just north to south on the ground. Now, that's going to be a problem for them. Because last time I looked, Georgia has some pretty good running backs. And Georgia is getting a couple of them back healthier than ever. And Georgia's offensive line is getting healthier than ever. So, normally you got a 50% chance of winning any given football game. But you take all those factors into consideration, and you jump that up to Georgia having a 90% chance. Now you added people like Carson Beck and the fact that Florida's quarterback is Graham Mertz, who people are hyping up right now because he had a decent game against South Carolina, who I'm pretty sure isn't even going to be bowl eligible this year. So you put all of that together, and it turns out we got a 137% chance of winning this game. That's some Steiner math for you right there. And the numbers don't lie, and they spell disaster for y'all in Jacksonville. So y'all better call up Connor Stallions over in Michigan, because that's about the only chance y'all got of winning this game. Oh, if you're watching the YouTube video and saw me making funny faces, I just had 112-proof whiskey go down the wrong pipe. And I'm still, I'm still struggling to breathe. That was that was that was fucking rough, and I know I have dropped f bombs more times than we're supposed to in this episode, but um, like I'm still tearing up from literally breathing 112 proof whiskey for that one. So uh, you'll have to excuse me, but Thank you, Caleb, for calling in and talking to us again. Once again, that number is 678-465-8020. If you want to be on the Calling the Dogs segment, I don't care if all you say is go dogs. 
I don't care if all you say is screw Florida. I, I don't. We'll put you on the show because we want to have more interaction here. So please call us at 678-465-8020. Get into the Calling the Dog segment. So for our picks, I as far as this game goes, you know, I don't I don't want to officially pick the under because I think after a bye week, Georgia has the very good possibility of coming out like they did against Kentucky. I think they have a very good possibility about blowing this game out. But I think if you take the consensus of the season, this is much more 27-20 kind of game than it is a, you know, even a, let's say, 35-17 kind of game. So I – I do think Florida probably covers it. And I, you know, in all reality, I think if you take week by week into consideration, I think the under probably hits. But my official pick is Georgia with, or Florida covering the 14 and a half. And I hate to say that out loud. You're muted if you're talking. Damn it. I thought I would get through it. Anyway. Um, so, so a few weeks ago when we, uh, we were talking about the uh, Kentucky game, I was kind of the same way. I was feeling, I was feeling like, Oh, it's going to be closer and all that. And I wouldn't have been a win against uh, conventional, like thinking with it about how, what, what we so saw so far. And I went with what I want to see, not what I, you know what my what my brain told me it went with, with uh, what my heart would tell me, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Georgia to cover that fourteen and a half. So I don't know about the over under so much, but you know, I mean, everything that everything you know, everything like conventional uh, conventional wisdom would tell you. Okay, Brock not being there, coming off a of bye week, so maybe being a little bit rusty in the first half and all that. Tells you to not go with the Georgia 14 and a half point favorites, but again, I'm gonna go with it because it's against what I what my brain thinks. Go with the heart 14 and a half point favorite. Let's go. I I hope you're right. Like I truly hope I'm wrong. I just my head refuses to believe it. Yeah. Um Moving on to Oregon, six and a half point favorites at Utah, over under 48 and a half. This is the college game day game of the week. Currently fighting for second in the Pac-12. Um, Oregon has definitely outscored their opponents in the conference. Um but to make this quick, I, I think Oregon covers six and a half. I mean, this mm -hmm. spoiler, this is in my best bets. I have no confidence in the Utah offense and all the confidence in the Utah defense. I don't care what they did last week. USC has literally a FCS defense. Give me Utah to cover the six and a half. This is a best bet. I'm not going to say it's a best bet for me, but I'm with you there, Oregon covering the, uh, the six and a half. Them playing out in uh, in Utah does make me a little bit nervous, but Eugene's not necessarily at the lowest of elevation. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, it's not radically different. It's not like 
Florida going to uh, Salt Lake City by any means. It's not that, you know, going from sea level to, you know, the fucking Rocky Mountains. So I'm going to go with Oregon to cover that, uh, that six and a half. All right, next game, Tennessee minus three and a half at Kentucky, over under 51 and a half. Somehow Tennessee is still ranked in the AP poll at 21, even though they have two losses on the season, one to an unranked team. Sorry, guys. I am still struggling from uh, inhaling this high-proof whiskey here. Um the winner of this game is very likely playing for third in the East behind Georgia and Missouri. And I say that just because Missouri's on a fucking tear this year. And hey. I understand we're probably going to have to list this episode as explicit, but damn Missouri is good. And, you know, I I don't really have much else to say about that because we're going to be talking about them next week. Yeah. Um. So for this game, I think it being at Kentucky has a lot to do with what I'm talking about here. I'm taking Kentucky. Ooh, okay. Taking Kentucky to cover that three and a half. I don't know if they win or not, but I think if Tennessee does win, it's a very close game. I understand historically Tennessee has dominated this series, but the offensive line this Kentucky team has – and the defense that this Kentucky team has makes me feel a lot better about it compared to the Kentucky team of last year. Mm-hmm. Not to mention, Bama ran all over this same exact Tennessee team last week, and Tennessee's coming off of that Bama game. I got Kentucky to cover three and a half. Yeah, we talked about it a little bit there with uh, teams you know, after they play Bama, not Bama, not playing uh, like super well. And Tennessee is not going to be any different. Granted, again, Alabama is not necessarily the Alabama they've been the last what fifteen years or so. But I'm also going to go, also going to go with Kentucky there. I think Ray Davis is going to have a have a good day um, at home at Kroger Field. Not a Joe Milton believer, so I'm going to go with Kentucky there to, again to cover. Not, not necessarily to win by any means, but again, nobody leaves Kroger Field the same. Nobody does. Everybody comes out with a three-foot receipt and 10 cents off of gas, let's be honest. Mm-hmm. Which isn't necessarily a bad thing all the time. No. I, I mean, that's the biggest reason we still shop at Kroger. Big like, I, I'm just being honest, on on the island we live on, Publix is cheaper than Kroger on a lot of things, but them gas points damn sure count when you go to Georgia games every other week. Yep. Mm-hmm. You're not wrong. All right, so Texas Tech has a bye this week. They're probably going to not cover versus that bye week. So we're going to go right Mm -hmm. into uh, Washington, 27-point favorites at Stanford. Um, If I'm going to be honest, I'm not even going to pick the spread on this one. I'm going to go ahead and take the over 59.5. I know you've got it as a best bet, Mm -hmm. but I'm doubling down. Go ahead and put this in my best bets, too, because – I, at this point, I'm not really sure what Washington is going to do this week versus Stanford. But if there's anything I'm sure about, you put an over-under with a first digit of five yeah. when it comes to a Washington game, nine times out of ten, they're hitting it. So that's what I'm taking. Well, and like part of that for me, like going over for that, 
was that the uh, Colorado and Stanford game a couple weeks ago, the fact that a Stanford receiver almost had 300 fucking yards receiving made me feel way more confident in the over in that. It's like 59 and a half is, I mean, it's a lot in most games, but it's tough. I mean, I think Stanford's definitely capable of it. You know, they can, you know, this is more or less their Super Bowl left, uh, or their Super Bowl in the uh, the latter, latter half of the season, but I'm going to go with the uh, over 59 and a half for that as well. You want to go ahead and get into the rest of your best bets? Yeah. All right, so I'll, I'll knock them out. I'll try to knock them out quick. So, on uh, Thursday, so it's going to be a little bit early, so hopefully when you guys, when you guys are listening to this on uh, Thursday, going to work or whatever, Georgia State at Georgia Southern in Statesboro. Uh, Georgia Southern's a one-and-a-half-point favorite. I am taking Georgia Southern to cover that. Again, Can that I offense... give you one, one note about this game? Okay. I was driving through Statesboro today for work. Did mm-hmm. you know that they have those DOT like light up road signs out that all they say is Southern, not state guaranteed to cover that. Fuck. Yeah. Let's go. Guaranteed. Yep. There's no way. And yeah, so Georgia Southern's covering that one and a half at home in Statesboro, the real GSU. Get after that ass, the real GSU. Let's go Georgia Southern. All right. Um, so after that, so Oregon state is going to Arizona, uh, Arizona, I'm sorry, Oregon State is three and a half point favorite. I'm actually going to go with Arizona to cover that. We talked about them a little bit past few scrappy weeks. Scrappy football. Scrappy. What's that? They're the scrappy do of college football. Mm-hmm. And they're going to continue that because um, I do not trust uh, DJU out there in Oregon State to go to Arizona to even come close to that. So Arizona, again, Oregon so. Oregon State may not win, but uh, Arizona is going to cover that three and a half. So I'm going to go with Arizona. Sta- uh, I'm sorry, Arizona there to uh, cover that. Uh, UConn at Boston College is kind of a sickos play because I, I don't know if anybody listening to this gives a shit about either team, especially I mean especially UConn for that matter. Uh, but I'm going uh, UConn at Boston College. I'm going under 51 and a half just because neither team feels like they can score anything. Um, I have no real like stats behind that at all. It just it feels like it's gonna be like a fucking 13-10 type game. I could be totally wrong. Um, and then uh last one, North Carolina at Georgia Tech. North Carolina's North Carolina is an eleven and a half point favorite. Uh in Atlanta. I'm gonna go with uh UNC to cover that. Uh kind of a revenge tour, at least a little bit here in the uh back half of the season, Georgia Tech. Not great. I mean, I I always think back to the uh, the loss they had against uh, Bowling Green a couple of weeks ago, and uh, UNC is still fighting for uh, a uh, ACC championship berth. So I feel I feel comfortable that they're going to come back and uh, uh, after uh, last week's disappointment. So for my best bets, I've got South Carolina covering the fourteen at Texas A and M. Texas A&M, one, has not shown an ability to score a lot of points when it comes to uh, Max Johnson as a quarterback. Two, they have not shown an ability to cover the deep ball on the defensive side of the ball. And I think Spencer Rattler would be a Heisman candidate if he had a different offensive line. So I'm going South Carolina to cover that two-score spread against Texas A&M. Second is Oregon minus six and a half at Utah. I already talked about that a minute ago. 
Next game I've got is Tulane minus 10.5 at Rice. Rice is not all that good this season. Um, I understand JT Daniels is doing a lot of things down there, but Michael Pratt is back. Tulane is healthy. I think 10.5 points is a really easy one there. The last game I've got is Vandy at Ole Miss over 63. Neither team has much of a defense to write home about. And if Vandy can score 20 points against Georgia, imagine what they can do against Ole Miss. Definitely fair. All right, guys. As always, follow the Instagram at nothing.finder.pod, Twitter at finderpod, Facebook and YouTube. Search us there. Rate and review the show five stars. We'll mail you a sticker as long as you send us a screenshot. And as always, guys, remember there is nothing finer in the land than a drunk, obnoxious Georgia fan. Third and a mile. Duggan from the two will throw it all the way across the field. It's picked up by Bullardy. Bullard got it again. And Bennett to throw. Lobs it to the right corner. There's McConkey. He got on his donkey and made a sliding catch in the right corner. Touchdown.